Welcome to Cowhorse, Full Contact by Ben Self, with host Chris Dawson and Russell Dilday. This episode is brought to you by Ranching Equine Operations Insurance Agency. All right, well, we're back with another episode of Cowhorse Full Contact. Today, we've got uh, two special guests in-house with us. Lance Johnston and Matt Cook. And this is Chris Dawson, and I'm looking across at Russell Dilday. And we got Ben. I don't know. He's on an errand for us at the yeah. moment. So we're kind of manning the board ourselves. And so this episode is, uh, yeah, who knows what's going to happen. So welcome back, folks, and get you some of what's going on here today. Superstar Lance Johnson, fraternity champion last year. That Million didn't dollar rider. No. Million dollar rider, right. You, know, <laughs> you had a pretty good crash out there this morning. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was tough. I was having a pretty good run and thinking I was about ready to mark pretty huge and then whap. That cow kinda got up underneath him and knocked his right front leg across his underneath his body and he caught it with his left hind foot because we slowed it down, the video, and it caught that foot and pulled him down. Pulled him down. <clears throat> we did a header. Tied him to the wall. Well, there's been a little bit of that this year. There has, I mean. At this show. Yeah. I, Paul Bailey's supposed to be on the way to the hospital right now. Really? Yeah. He, yeah. They say he had a wreck over there, Anna said. And I didn't cool. see any of it, but we're hoping, I'm hoping it's not yeah. bad, but I don't like the hospital part. So, no, this is. Like, shout to Paul. I mean, I know we've talked about, like, sometimes a guy needs to take a header just for the spectator. You know, <laughs> the benefits of the spectators, but it's a little ridiculous this week. Man, I don't know what's going on. The ground's been good, I th- feel like. I mean, everything's fine. It's just oh, little yeah, weird it, deals. It Corey just, took a big one yesterday. Ooh, oh, yeah. yeah that was, right was a big yesterday. one. Yeah. That was a big one. Yeah, I was a little worried about our sheriff there. I uh, know. They walked out, come back, mark some 20s. Yeah. yeah. That's what he does. <laughs> That's what he does. Mr. Stoicism. <laughs> yeah, the ground didn't cause mine at all. Just that cow got up underneath him, banging on him, and just knocked that leg out from underneath him, and just happened to catch it with that other hind foot. So it's just one of those deals. And I think the cattle happens. are fast, and <clears throat> they're just pushing the envelope a little bit. I mean, they're good cattle. I like. They're the kind I like, anyways. But I think they're pushing the envelope a little bit, and people oh, yeah. just getting just little mistakes. I felt like I was marking a. 25 if i circled and i was going to circle right there i felt like i just i owned it but you need those kind of cattle to mark that that's right yeah so tell us a little bit about that horse what's his name (laughs) well wilbur he come from a guy that might be sitting next to me (laughs) (laughs) he can overcome this is is actually completely coincidental actually (laughs) yeah sure it is (laughs) We're not that smart. Wandering, I found yeah. him wandering around trying to talk to a mannequin. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so what's his name? Who owns him? Well, um, Rock and BS Ranch owns him now. Annie Smart Cat's his registered name. I can never remember it. We just call him Wilbur. Everybody knows him as Wilbur. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I first saw Wilbur. I was looking for a horse for... Um, a friend and client of mine and um i'd been looking for about a year and i couldn't find the right horse and tammy my wife was about ready to 
um, she's about ready to show. This is what two years ago. Two years ago. Two yep. years ago. Yep. This show, and um, so she's warming up, about ready to go in for I believe the Derby. And I turn around and look, and I see this really nice colt that Matt's riding, and he's doing all the right stuff. And I can tell he's a three-year-old because I'd never seen him before, yep. so I knew he was a three-year-old. And he's he's stopping about sixteen feet and turn around pretty low. Did you measure eyes. that? Yeah, I stepped it measure. out. <laughs> yeah, <that's, yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I've measured enough of them. I walked them off when I was young that I know what it is. <laughs> Can I call it now? <laughs> yeah, I'm an expert. Remember, you first stopped a horse, jump off and step off. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that did right. that. <laughs> you hurt your neck looking back that fast. Yeah. <laughs> And hurry up and jump off some before you ruin it. Yeah, don't don't yeah. back over it. Don't back over yeah. it. Take pictures of it. Yeah, I drew a circle around one at Todd's one time. I'd been really working hard on this horse. I finally got a set of slide tracks. I went and drew a line around. Like don't nobody ride through that. <laughs> yeah, I take my fair share of pictures. <laughs> send them to the owner. See, he does stop. <laughs> I'd send and it, it was to all the owners. <laughs> just did the one track. Send to the barn if your horse stops. He got a good stopper. Take a picture of his tracks and send them to the, yeah. another owner and say, "Look at your horse stops." <laughs> oh my goodness! So are you guys uh, standing him this year? Yeah. Yep. Pretty soon the ads will start coming out on him. And right. They're going to stand him uh, alongside them. Cheese. Here, here, right. come, here comes the boom. And that's rocking BS Go on ahead. both of them. Yep. Rocking BS Ranch owns both of them. So, Lance, you see him sliding uh, Wilbur 16 foot, and then Tammy's going in. That's where we left off. Yeah, um, and so, uh, you know, he's turning around. He's turning around pretty. I think lopes in circles, and he changed him. I'm like, shit, this colt's nice. Yeah, I got him to change leads. He's got to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> Matt can do it. <laughs> little furry, wormy fella can change leads. This is be nothing. <laughs> Million-dollar man. And then he worked a flag, and that. I walked over to him because Tammy wasn't quite ready to go in yet and asked him if the horse was for sale, and he said no. And he said, well, if we sold him, it would be quite a bit. And I said, okay, that's fine. I've been looking for a long time, and the lady's got money I'm looking for. And so he gave me a price and said, perfect, we can do that. And long story short, it it worked out, and and we got him bought, and... Then that, um, then the gal rode him for a year, and I helped her off and on, um, helped her ride him, and um, tried showing him, and she was struggling to keep up with him to ride him um, and have success on him. So um, I talked her into selling him to me, or to Rock and BS, and they're my good friends and good customers that are. Um, helping me back a lot of my really good horses that have really helped me out with my latest success and pulled me out of the gutter <laughs> that I was they in own, for They five. owned Here Comes the Boon that you won the fraternity yeah, on. Yeah, they own yeah. Here Comes the Superstar. Boon. And, and he's standing also. Yeah, he's yeah. also standing. And so any of your stallion needs, may hit up Rockin' BS Ranch. Yep, there you go. Yeah, and, you know, when we'd, we'd bought Here Comes the Boon, Brent, um, owner of rock and bs ranch he wasn't looking to buy buy anything and i had a real good 
three-year-old, two-year-old Phil at that time, and that's all I had, and I felt like I needed to come here with two horses, and and I'd seen Here Comes the Boone. Um, Miles was riding him around um, in the Coliseum when we first got here that year, and I said, well, you know, come look at this colt. You're going to really like this colt, and um, and he did, and then long story short, um, we got Miles to work a cow on him, and nobody was around that day, and he was spectacular, and Brent said, okay, I'll buy him for you. And we know how that worked out. And so when I said, hey, you need to buy this this horse, um, Wilbur, he's all, well, he hadn't won but $1,200. At the time, I'd won the novice, or second in the novice horse, I guess, at um, the stakes last year because he'd never won any money previous with, with the lady that had that rode him. And I was 21st, so I was one spot out of the money. I said, and he never really paid attention to him. I said, you know, you you just just buy him, just trust me. And I said, if we don't, if I don't win a hundred thousand on him in three years, we're going to find a guy that can win a hundred thousand on him for you. That's how good he is. I said, by next year, somebody's going to want to be buying him and offer us three times the amount of money we just paid for him. And I said it'd be the stakes this year. And um, at this show, we didn't get offered three times the amount, but at this show. Um, somebody came up to me and and tried to buy him. That mm. probably would have given us, you know, at least twice what we paid for him. The feeling I got, um, but Brent decided he didn't, you know, didn't want to sell him because we were having good success until here yeah. when I fell. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I messed that up. <laughs> he said no on the sale before I fell down. Oh. <laughs> if I would have told him afterwards, he probably said, "Yeah, well, let's Maybe. Go. yeah, let him go." Yeah. Well, I love that horse. Matt brought him to my house during this horse show mm-hmm. when he was a coming three-year-old. Yep. And man alive. You can talk about a man among boys. This thing was flashy. Mm. Yeah. And at that point, Matt was like, nope, not selling him. Because I was like, hey. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I owned half of him. So I was like, no, I think I'll hang on to this I had a little one. special place in my heart because I rode his mother. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, was, she was some kind of fun. Well, Lance is a better buyer than you. Uh, apparently. Obviously. Yeah. Better or, buyer than Clay, too. Clay was pissed yeah, off Trey, at me. Clay was a mad <laughs> son of a gun because I wouldn't tell him to him either. <laughs> That's the first call I got. <laughs> he sold him to you. Maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe he just, get, just didn't want them to have him. Well, he thought he actually they, sold them to you they, for less they, than they offered. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, he thought Clay could beat him on him. He figured I yeah. wouldn't be able to beat anybody on him. Yeah, you're time. old. Yeah. yeah. You're that a old guy. Yeah, that shoot, old guy. He don't have a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Out anyway. Yeah. He'll, yeah, he'll just be him back to him. Yeah. him to the old guy on the scooter. Yeah. Yeah. He's a dual bet and 7S racer. Oh, yeah. We're fine. Riding around with squad tits in the saddle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rubber job, bands Matt. on that. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah, me and Clay both got after Matt on that. Like, hey, uh, if you're going to sell another one that's good, you better sell it on the team first, yeah. dude. <laughs> he doesn't really like you guys. <laughs> no, because I, I should can... be on the team now. I made him yeah, quite right. a bit of money. Yeah, exactly. Got me a new horse trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. Good stuff. So, where are you got? Um, where are they standing? Them studs at? Um, there's a vet clinic about five minutes from my place. There, um, 
I guess I'm in Lindsay, just across the road, the vet clinic, and they call it Exeter. But that's where I do have most of my horse stuff done, and they run a good breeding facility, you know. Um, they primarily do English horses, English studs there, so none of us would hear about it, but it works really good for me um, at the time where I'm still riding them. So I'll ride them for saying in the morning, and then we'll just haul them over, and they got their own two stalls, haul both studs over, they'll collect them, and... We'll mm. pick them up, haul them back. It's, it's really sweet. pretty sweet. Pac- yeah. Pacific Crest Equine is the place, and mm. so it works out awesome. You know, if I can keep showing them, I don't, you know, lose them. Right. So who do they call if they who's who do folks call if they want to breed one of these horses? Pacific Crest Equine. Pacific Crest Equine. Yeah. You, you not the phone number on hand? He don't know. He don't know. He I don't know it off. I, I got it on I my phone. It. I can pull it off my phone. <laughs> Or call Lance. Yeah. Poet. No, yeah. Poet. Poet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you can get in the fourth layer there and get it your It might phone. take me five minutes to figure this out. And then <laughs> somebody's going to have to Need ben. me to hold your phone for you? Yeah. <laughs> ben, could you read this number? <laughs> Anybody got any glasses? I don't. <laughs> oh, shit. Take your phone and take a picture of his and then magnify it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's How not- old are you? I don't know. You're not really that old. No. You should 30. be able to see. No, I can't see it. Really? Mm. No, I don't look too good. Are you older than <laughs> Dawson? <laughs> no. No. Hey, Siri, call Pacific Crest Equine. <laughs> I can do it that way. They'll start to call them. I'll hang up. There you go. There we go. Got it. And then they'll call back. <laughs> you, you couldn't see enough to type it in? I mean, it's not like a number you that can't you either. don't call. I've never seen you type on your phone. You're constantly talking to I Siri in your weird robot voice. So fast. <laughs> yeah, hey, give the listeners a little dose of you on Siri. It's hilarious. What? Everybody talks to Siri like that. I don't know about all that. Finally got the number. Told you it took me five Lay minutes. Right on. Yep. 559-592-4753. Yep. Bingo. You well, can. nailed it. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. There you go, Nothing ladies and like gentlemen. Fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're in Lindsay now, Lance, but where'd you come from? I came from a little town called Nuquiama, California. Little ranching, farming town, primarily ranching when I was a kid. Big cattle ranches, a lot of cattle, a lot of cowboys. Um, then slowly it, um, well, I guess... It was also um, an oil town, too, because they discovered oil in it. So there's a lot of oil, and then there's a lot of ranching. And then the farming gradually picked up through the years. Now farming probably took over most of it, though the oil is pretty much dried up, and the ranches have got small and tons of farming there. Mm. But There's not much town in New Koyama. Not much town. Little bitty town. Nothing at all. I, my graduating cafe. class was 28, and it was probably the biggest <laughs> class they ever graduated from a high school. Yeah, but there were 400 seniors. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much one of those places. <laughs> 28. Did you play some ball and stuff when you were in school? Yeah, I played football. Well, I played football, basketball, and baseball. I played football four years, um, basketball three years, and then baseball two years because it kept me out of having to go go to work <laughs> well, <laughs> played sports i didn't have to go home and go to go work. straight to work right yeah so 
What were your but folks doing? My folks have a cattle ranch. Yeah. Yep. And not that I didn't like doing that, but, you know, building fence or doing that kind of stuff. I was trying to get out of it. It was riding and cowboying. It was all yeah. fun, but... <laughs> That's not every day. No, a lot more fence building and ditch digging and that kind of stuff and cattle feeding and. Um, Cheers, Jared Melton. Cheers. But my favorite was, I was good in basketball, but I had big man skills and I'm only six four, so I couldn't go on. Football, I was only six four. Only. There's a problem I could have had. Yeah. <laughs> and he still got a full head of hair. I don't have. He doesn't fun. have a no, full head of hair. You're you. just short. That's because yeah. you're only six. If you six. were tall enough, yeah. you could see. <laughs> <laughs> you're the only. You're the only one with a full head of hair, yeah. except Ben, and his is so light colored. I'm not sure it's full. It's kind of receding right <laughs> he here. He does Look at have that. a heavy recede, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. He tried to put the Scooby Doo. Uh, He's still got a mustache. I just didn't see it. A beard. <laughs> Good-looking mustache. The regular Yosemite Sam over there. <laughs> hey, some people have a forehead. Ben's got a five head. <laughs> Russell's got a nine head. I had, yeah. <laughs> he would be... <laughs> He'd be able to buy alcohol if he wasn't so fair complected <laughs> or if he would shave. <laughs> really he didn't shaves? See that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what? <laughs> his eyebrows, maybe. Yeah, I was thinking maybe right between his eyebrows. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's part greasing. He probably has some tips. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a guy you never see clean shaven. I seen him clean shaven one time. Didn't recognize him. He was like, no, he no. just come from class or something. Yeah, or on his way to class. That is a wooly little guy. <laughs> <laughs> Shave in the morning. <laughs> Got beard by breakfast. All right. <laughs> All right. So, so, what kind of cow calf deal with your mom and dad? Yeah, pretty much cow calf. Yeah, my they had their own. Their own cattle. Um, my, I guess it would be my great grandfather homesteaded it. Homesteaded the ranch. In New Quiama, no kidding. Yeah, homesteaded it, and then I didn't obviously know him. Um, and then my grandfather took it over from there and ran the whole ranch. There was three brothers, but he's the one that took the ranch over. Um, Where'd your great grandfather come from? Well, you yeah, know what my, nationality you are. No, I mean I'm a mix, <laughs> but they. Um, but they're a little more pure back that far. You know, my my dad. My <laughs> <laughs> you need to have my dad for all all that kind of information where they they originated from. I I, I know they came. Um, it wasn't Vietnamese. No, no. <laughs> Six four. I mean, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, my dad knows all that stuff, and he's told me a hundred times. I can't really write it. Remember? Yeah. Well, whole, whole family of big men, or are, they, are you guys growing? No, I, I, I get my height from my mom's side. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, my grandfather was um, six two, and um, my uncle is hair taller than I am. Um, 
my my dad's side's quite a bit quite a bit shorter. Oh, so, dang! Yeah, and where'd your mom come from? Actually, my mom came from L.A. My grandparents um, lived in L.A. My my grandfather worked for several different aircraft companies. Hughes Aircraft. Um, he um, he was the engineer that helped build the first um, space shuttle and um, wow yeah the B two bomber you probably heard of that um, you know yeah, yeah and then um, I'm I'm pretty sure he helped build the first helicopter you know the first main one yeah um helped design it and had no computers he always told me he did everything with a protractor mm. so he was he was the brains of the whole family but. Um, my mom was from L.A., and um, somehow, I think it had something a little to do with team roping. My grandfather actually kind of ran a little arena on the side and had roping stairs, and they had team roping there. And some of the, somehow, some of the guys from Cuyama would head out that way, and they talked to him, and so she ended up finding her way to Cuyama. And, you know, that's, and she loved it because she didn't really like the city. She liked, you know... She liked the cowboy way way of life, and so she she stuck around, and then ended up meeting my dad. And so, if you're intelligent, like engineer, brain surgeon, all that, don't let your daughter get into roping. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. My mom's an artist. She's a she's a saddle maker. And I know. I've seen this. Yeah, yeah I've seen she, the anything she phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, she can. I mean, she's a wood carver. She can do anything. She's very artistic. The that passed me over. So the engineer that passed me over. But my son Tristan, he's the engineer. He Oh really? Yeah. He's a mechanical engineer with the aerospace miner and I didn't know that's what he got yep. out of that. Yep, he's a How senior he? now. He'll graduate next fall because of the minor. It'll take him longer than four one semester longer than four years. Dang. Twenty one. That yep. he seems like Yeah. About six. What about your kid? Oh, yeah, he smokes. He got. He's not going to be an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> but he did put some well, you meat are on his, his bones. We don't know that. Look how big he is. Yeah. I'm just a little bitty guy. <laughs> they did grow. They were just little skinny yeah. people. <laughs> no, I mean nothing against that man. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's politically correct. You're wedged between two little skinny fellas over there. I know. I know. <laughs> Chris has got a little baby. Not long. We'll be talking I about know. her. She'll be in college. Won't be long. Only if she takes after her mother. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. That's what I'm pulling for as well. <laughs> 21 years old. Takes after you. She'll be a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> Low pay. <laughs> Low and pay. Don't edit that one. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves the pain he put his parents through. <laughs> Yeah, his mother told me a lot about it. Yeah. Uh, she's got, when you look in her eyes, she can't even talk yet, and she's saying things. Like, it's going to be trouble. Oh, I wow. can tell. Those eyes. Yeah, wild eyes. Else. We missed her first crawl this week. That sucked. Oh. Yeah, we got video. <laughs> Grammy sent us the video of you her should first have, When crawling. she got up to crawl, you should have kicked her down. That's what I told her. Fast, I, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and if she tries careful. to walk, just slap her down as <laughs> When they start walking, they're just, you're thinking, oh, they're right there, and then they're gone. We tie them up. 
Mm, they try to like, up. Yeah, it doesn't slow Use down. wire. <laughs> yeah. Don't you try to open it. Definitely use wire. They chew right through that rope. <laughs> That's my favorite. We were at John Hoyt's funeral, and they were telling a story about, oh, I don't know, one of his boys. And I guess uh, he had him tied up, tethered to the clothesline. <laughs> So he could slide, and so he get in the shade, and, and I guess uh, I don't know what they had in them days. The equivalent of child protective services shows up one day and says, "Excuse me, Mister Hoyt, you can't be having little John or whichever one it was tied to the clothesline." And he says, "Well, what do you want me to do? Let the little son of a bitch run out in the road and get hit by a car?" <laughs> Genius. And, and they left. I, I don't think they leave today if you do that. But no. Uh, <laughs> you idiot. Hard, hard to fight that logic. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Wow. 21 so, years old. Yeah. Anyhow, so back at, they settled that. Your great grandpa settled. Yeah. In New Cuyama. Yeah, my grandfather you know, took over the ranch. I think they grew quite a bit of hay back then too, along with it. Um, but about time my dad, I think was in high school. He told me, um, he was helping out with it. And my uncle did a lot of it too with them. And then I think my uncle, um, he, for some reason, I don't know, he became a brand inspector. So I don't know if he left to go do that. And I think tractor broke down one day. Um, and my grandfather said to my dad, do you like this farm? And my dad said, nope. And he said, me neither. And that tractor never moves. Said there for Just the end of that. <laughs> yeah, and the farming field turned out to be the horse pasture. <laughs> so the remuda was all out there. I'll be darned. And as a kid, we had always between 20 and 30 head of horses in, in the remuda. About how many acres did, did you guys own? The whole place and lease some or no we um the the, the ranch they had the the ranch and the land we owned and then we leased a lot of the oil field land and run cattle mm-hmm. on that you know and then um we back up against the forest and so we oh. we've had that since well i think we've had that since you know my my grand great grandfather and so there's i don't know you know a couple hundred thousand acres you know wow and yeah, but not so many acres to the cow, huh? No, yeah. no, they, they they keep it they keep it pretty limited, and you know we're considered kind of a desert area. Yeah, if it gets six inches of rain, it's great, you yeah. know, kind of deal. But for the whole but, year, yeah, yeah. But when you do get rain, you get the fillery and, the and fillery it's strong. And strong. And it's, strong. If it's this high, it's really strong. And if you get twelve inches of rain, you're dealing with bloat. You yeah, know, all year because that fillery is so strong. Yeah, it's wonderful stuff. Yeah, it's great. <clears throat> so yeah, so what's the elevation there? You think, Lance? You have any idea? There's, There's a sign in town that says, I think fifteen hundred feet, but I'm not sure it's right. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. I actually thought it was a little higher than that. I'll be dang. I would think so too. So I'm not sure the sign's right. Mm. Yeah. But it is dang sure high desert. Like, people don't understand in California how much desert there is. And that's, yeah. <clears throat> that isn't, um, that's not seven acre to the cow country or 15. It's more like, 
what do you, 30, 40, yeah. 50, yeah. 50 acre to the cow country. Yeah, and it's more <clears> like that. And, you know, there'll be years where it's just awesome, and then there'll be a lot of years where it just, Very know, volatile. Yeah. Volatile country, yeah. that country. Yeah, pretty tough. My, um, my dad, quite a few years later, when I was in high school, um, we had the, um, we had this, um, one side of the valley was our ranch. Then huge ranch was the whole complete other side of the valley. Um, well, there's several ranches on our side of the valley, but the other side, um, there was one big, huge ranch called the Russell Ranch. And then over years, my dad had leased that whole other side. Um, like when I was in at, just out of high school and went to college, and he kind of leased the other side, and so he ran quite a few cattle and um, ran customer cattle, had our own cattle, and then ran a lot of customer cattle. And my grandfather ran with our own cattle, customer cattle too. And but um, now um, my dad's seventy years old, and he gave up that lease and stuff. And it's he's still got the got the home ranch, and then he's got the oil field lease part because it's just kind of part of our you know. Fits in there. Yeah, yeah, it just fits in there. And then they got another little ranch lease that we've had leased for, I don't know, 40, 50 years, something mm. like that. And um, so, you know, things have kind of backed way off because getting older. And I try to go over there, but the business we we have it takes yeah. so much time. Equine dairy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> got to milk them every day, yeah. <laughs> no matter how much it's you got out of them there. yesterday. But I'm it's starting. They're starting to get to the age where I need to spend more time there. And are you the only kid? Yep. Yeah. You're yep. Really My dad has three sisters, but um, they don't have kids, and so pretty much everything will come back to me. Mm. And you think you see yourself going there? Yeah. someday. Some, someday when I, you know, I would say, and so I'm, you know, if I can get my back healed up better. You know, maybe in 10 years, I would go there and kind of simmer, retire, yeah. ride only a few horses for, you know, certain people, like Rock and BS yeah. or something. You know, have kind of, better, yeah, better in. Yeah. Um, hate to sell my place because um, I love it, and we built it all up by hand, and my son was part of it, and he welded half of it. But mm -hmm. eventually, we always figured that it would be our retirement. Yeah. You know, we bought it for... Two hundred forty thousand dollars, and now it's um, there was a place smaller than it with just a house on it, um, sold for almost two million. It's crazy you know, over there, man. Ago. So wow. crazy, you know. So that'll be our retirement, and then we go to the ranch and you know kind of keep that going, and then set something up where I can ride some, you know, <clears> tin <throat> head or whatever. Build a It'd facility be, that's easy to ride into, huh? Yeah, and. You know, kind of just have a few because, you know, don't really feel like I ever want to quit. Now, how far is Lindsay from Koyama? Two and a half hours with a yeah. truck and trailer. So you're not just slipping over there to check on things right now? No, <laughs> no, it's a little hard, but I need to spend more time. I really do need to. I haven't spent, a, spent enough time there. and It's hard to do. Yeah, man. it's really tough. Mm -hmm. But you got to do it because when they're gone, then. Yeah. <laughs> no other chance. No, Chris knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dad had a stroke um, just after Thanksgiving, the week after Thanksgiving, and um, luckily 
um, they got him flown to the hospital within an hour because there's a helicopter there in our little town and they my mom called immediately it happened happened right in front of her or you know he was in the bathroom and he'd come out and she fell on the floor he fell on the floor and she heard it and she went in whatever found him right away got him there within an hour and you couldn't tell he had a stroke stroke yeah if you can get those caught quick enough there's a deal they can give them i drove a buddy of mine actually had one and we got him in there quick enough, and shoot, he's fine. Yeah, he, he was lucky. He's fine too. But it it really scared me bad. I'm really close with my dad, and um, he's a pretty neat man. That's so. a piss to get this old, because in all the people you really look up to, they just start dropping off on you. Oh yeah, I've lost a Chris lost his dad. I lost my aunt that was just the other day, and I got a couple that look like they might not make it much longer. God dang. You get this old and you're not really the ones dying. It's all your idols that start. Yeah. And it start makes you. <laughs> It'll be us in a minute, Russell. Don't worry. Hmm? It'll be us in a minute. Oh, man, pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. That's what my grandpa used to say. All I do is go to funerals and weddings. <laughs> yeah, yeah my, my grandparents told me that the worst part about getting old is all your friends dying all your friends dying yeah. and my grandparents lived a long happy life and very healthy life you know lived a full <coughs> life and said the worst part about it is that they outlived everybody <laughs> the hardest mm. part about it you know sure all their friends and everybody and luckily they didn't outlive their kids or their <laughs> grandkids that's the worst that's the worst you know? mm. yeah yep. that's it i had it well shoot one of my buddies just found him in a hotel room the other day. Like, I don't know. I don't, I never did hear what had happened. Well, but we lost Brian. Yeah. Shook hands with him here. Yep. At this That's arena, it. and he went home and died that night. Yep. Who's that? I, that uh, Brian Peterson. Uh, Brian Peterson, uh, Martin saddle South. maker at Martin. Oh, wow. I mean, was I didn't think snaffle, that guy that would. bit? Yeah, I think so. it was. It was bit. I didn't think he would ever go. That guy was made of iron. God dang, he's a working this bigger. I love that guy, but I, it'll come get you. Yeah. And the, he wasn't very old. Maybe. I don't know if he was 10 years older than me. I was going to say, I was in his 50s. Yeah. Oh, he's my age. <laughs> <laughs> I forget how old I am sometimes. <laughs> well, the thing was, was my dad is Thanksgiving, my parents and tammy and i we flew to montana spend thanksgiving with tristan and then we went deer hunting with him we took him deer hunting as a family we went deer hunting and we went on this walk um probably a mile and a half walk up a mountain and you know i can't walk very far but it's kind of one of those things where you know put up with it because you don't get to do this kind of stuff right. with your boy very much and so tristan's leading the way my dad, who's 70 years old, is a little bit behind him, and he could always walk really good. And I'm way in the back, sit down on a rock, <laughs> walk 20 feet, sit down on a walk. But I made it. we made it all the way around, got up there, because I had spotted a deer up there, and I thought it was a buck, but it, it wasn't. There were does up there, so that's a mile and a half up this really steep mountain, and then back down. And back down was actually worse on me, so it took me forever. And, but... 
my dad could add that stroke up there and he he would have died that would have been the end because you know i couldn't tristan would have had to carry him down because there was no cell service there where Mm. we were at and by the time he got him down we were an hour away from a road where there was cell service (sighs) to get somebody there we're out way out in the middle of nowhere and we were just lucky it happened a week later but he had been having headaches um quite (sighs) a bit and and so it was. He had a little blood clot going on. That's why he was mm. getting headaches. And then finally, it just happened. But luckily, it happened a week later when he was home, not up yes. in that mountain. Well, luckily, we both had boys big enough to carry us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I could have carried him and wasn't for my back, but I right. I know. I know. Once you, I back can barely up. carry myself down there. <laughs> Tristan right. could have carried him. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, he's on a lighter note. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're going to depress the listeners. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> what did Jared put in his vodka? I don't know, but that is spectacular stuff. Habaneros? That's my new favorite. Yeah. I'm, real, I'm surprised the vanilla is exceptional. I didn't Thanks. think I'd like it, but I didn't good. think I would either, and bam. Pretty tasty. And American-made. That's always That's a good even thing. Better. Yeah, darn right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that gets me out of the imports. I like that. Uh huh. Yeah, you can get off your gray goose. Yeah. The uh, sliding off. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, high school, you play a little ball. Any college or? No, um, I could have. I in football, I was good enough. I think I was good enough to play Division One football. Mm-hmm. Um, what position? Um, I played tight end in, in high school. I played both ways. It's a little bit. It was eight-man football. Heard that about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I set myself up there. Yeah, I know. That was softball right there. That was slow pitch. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> Anyways. Eight-man. Uh, yeah. Eight man, so um, and I played defensive end um, on the defense, but um, I didn't I had I didn't have a TV when we didn't have a TV when on the ranch when I was a kid. My grandparents had one; they lived just you know a hill over from us, but um, we didn't have one, so I didn't see any college football at all. And the only football I saw is when I went to my um, my grandma's house that lived in town, and I always watched professional football. I loved it. I'd turn it on, and when college come on, it didn't. They weren't as good, so I didn't like watching it. But I didn't understand the pageantry of it. I didn't understand the whole thing of college football until I got older and you know got a television and everything. And I was out of, I was in college, and then I became a huge fan. I love football, love college football. If I would have understood that then, I probably would have gone and played because I had a lot of. Um, I had colleges get a hold of me and send me, you know, letters and, you know, and stuff. And I just that well, I thought, I thought college football was, you know, not much better than, you know, playing high school, high school. football. But if I would have known the whole big picture of it, I probably would have done it. And But I wouldn't have ended up here. Yeah, we would have <laughs> lost you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we might have lost you. Yeah. So you so, graduated from college? Yeah, I graduated from Cal Poly. Oh, right. Yeah. What words? What did you learn there? 
Not much. <laughs> be honest with you. <laughs> so where'd you meet Tammy? Should have went to Lamar. Right. Yeah. Should have went to Lamar. <laughs> well, I was I was in college and um, I lived in the dorms the first year and the second year, my we had hounds when I was a kid and we um, hunted. We're not supposed to say it, lions, but we we did because we had a lot of lions, a lot of problems, problems with them, and we did the depredation most of the time. Deal <laughs> 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 you know, most of the time, but Nearly you know, always, almost hunt, always, <laughs> hunt bobcat and fox too. And my dad had a had a hunting buddy that um, that lived in Santa Margarita, and that occasionally he had people room there in his house and. So my sophomore year, I asked my dad if he'd ask him if I could stay there, and um, he let me stay there. And I should, I think I lived there, I don't know, it was three or five years. But anyways, we made up some pins. I'd, I started riding colts there. He let me say he had a little place with a little acreage and made some pins up and started riding colts there. Um, and you could go down the road, and, and there was a little public arena and so i'd head to that public arena ride a little bit and then i'd sneak up on the santa margarita ranch i would <laughs> i would line them colts up head and tail them together about seven of them and i'd take a big old loop and then i'd just switch a couple of them were mules and they'd have packs on them but i'd just make a big old huge loop for half the day and just switch you know just switch horses i was riding but anyways to go to that arena i'd pass by tammy's grandparents house and the road just went right by their house and they had goats and they'd have their goats out there at close to the arena and feeding their goats. And so I'd stop and talk to them all the time. And they'd always tell me, well, you need to meet our granddaughters. They had two of them. You need to meet our granddaughters. You need to meet our granddaughters. And finally I, I met Tammy's sister and I'm like, Nope, no way. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> and then, um, there was a feed store. <laughs> there was a feed store in town that I'd go get my shoeing supplies because I was training horses and shoeing horses, and, or, you know, riding colts and backyard horses and right. mules, um, ranch horses, anything I'd get a hold hold of, and then shoeing horses to put myself through college. And so there was this big feed store that I'd go into, and I didn't know she worked there. It just happened to. Um, show up there one day, on a day that she did work there and i saw her and um and so then i um fireworks love at first sight yep pretty much really? i i saw her and was like wow and you know rocky jeans back then oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> loved them yep i can still picture it now anyways <laughs> <laughs> they were the they were the greatest advancement oh my God bless uh, Rocky jeans. Yeah. I don't know where they went. <laughs> um, so I went back, and her, her grandma was kind of a hard ass. And I asked her, I asked grandma for her phone number because I didn't have the balls to ask her, her phone number. So I asked grandma, but it, so I asked grandma, and she told me if I built this whole fence with her and fixed this fence that she'd give me. So I built the whole damn fence. Fence for goats. <laughs> you talk about some leverage. <laughs> Actually, I should go backwards a little bit. The first time I met her, Tammy, was at that arena. I had a line of pack horses, and they had a faucet at that arena. 
and I knelt, jumped off my horse, knelt down, drinking a faucet, and there were some girls out there running barrels in the arena. So I just stopped and got a drink, bent down, got a drink, and I was just going to sneak up on the Santa Margarita Anson and got a drink. And and I heard the girl over top of me, the horse trotted up and said, hey, you Lance. And I looked up at her, and I thought, and I, well, that's when I looked up at her, and I said, I'm in love. That's the woman I'm going to marry. Uh, wow. Yeah. But I didn't know it was... You know, um, oh, you didn't know it's her daughter. Her daughter then. Thought, oh my God, that that's the one I want to marry. Then, several months later, I saw her at the, um, at the feed, store. feed store. Yeah, and um, then kind of put two and two together, and I think she told me then who who she was, and so um, then I asked Grandma for the number, built the fence and everything, and and you could just run back to the feed store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to get a Spineless. good word from the, you're trying to get a good word from the grandmother. Yeah, trying to get in. Yeah. Cuz they love me and you know I I'd, I'd stop by and just hang out with them just you know they're old folk and it was fun good old stories and I just you know hang out there for a minute with my horses and talk to them and, and then go and um unfortunately my grandfather died um before we um ever got married got to really know each other but um, grandma got to got to see it all. It, it How long like, that take? What's that? Married from the goat pen to the from marriage. the goat pen to the marriage. Not long, a year. Wow. Yeah. From when I asked, I asked her out the first date. She'll tell you wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> from her side, not my side. <laughs> I had the nervous pisses all night at the movie. I must have gone to the bathroom fifteen times. <laughs> <laughs> and of course she's all decked what out what movie and, was it huh. you guys didn't watch no movie <laughs> no we did she didn't want she didn't she wouldn't let me touch her then so i she, i had 501s on i think they had a turtleneck on i think i had a now a, that's a, a memory right there a, a chain and she says i had penny penny loafers i don't know what penny loafers are but but you know she she's there with garth brooks shirt on and her <laughs> rocky mountains and rocky mountains and cowboy boots killing and, it and i showed up like that and she thinks i'm you know cowboy preppy. cowboy and all yeah. that stuff and i show up with the preppy shit on and <laughs> And so she wasn't really having it, but the Templeton horse sale was like, because it was in the middle of the week I asked her out, and Templeton horse sale was that weekend, and so I called her up and said, hey, would you like to go to that Templeton horse sale again? And luckily, she said yes. And then I showed up and, you know, looking normal. Regular, regular. Did you look like John Travolta yeah. that time. Yeah. <laughs> looking normal. Fever. <laughs> and so, you know, then that was a good date, apparently for her. And went back that night and hung out with her and her sister and her mother. And, um, and then from that day, I think from that date, we went like three years without not seeing each other for 24 hours. Yeah, three, was, years? three years three years it wasn't until she had jury duty um in la she had a you know a federal case she got called in on and she had to go down there that we went a day without seeing each other mm. how long did it take you to ask her ask her to marry me um 
So the Templeton horse sales in April. Um, I asked him, hey, had to be somewhere in the middle of that summer. Wow. Yeah, so it wasn't, wasn't that long. Uh-huh. Wasn't that long. And, uh, we, we were married a year later. Um, yeah, April 3rd. Yeah. So did uh, you get along with the mom and dad good too? My mother-in-law was the greatest she was wo- woman in the world. She, she was, was awesome. Yeah, those <laughs> of you that loved to, I used to love to see her at the horse show. Yeah, she she. I was so lucky, and everybody talks about their mother-in-laws primarily. You know how hell it is, and <laughs> my mother-in-law was the greatest woman in the world, and she thought the world of me, and she has a lot to do with my success. She had a tack shop. Um, and that, you know, people come in and she helped promote me and get me started and, you know, just tell everybody about me. She was. Where was the tax shop, Lance? There? It was, um, yeah, it was in, um, oh, shit. Um, so we were in, it wasn't in Santa Margarita, it was in Tascadero. Oh, it was over there on the coast, yeah. Yeah, in Tascadero. And so she was, she was amazing. Um, I didn't like my father-in-law much. He wasn't, he was not a good person. He was not, he was, you know, he was, yeah, he was not a good, good guy at all. And, you know, I didn't like him much at all. I I tolerated him and, but he was, he was pretty tough guy on his family and his girls. Married the whole time or divorced or? They were married the whole time um, until, shoot, um, we had been at our place in Lindsay, I don't know, about three or four years, and finally, my mother-in-law finally left him, and um, and which was a good thing, you know. Yeah. She needed to. He was, yeah. he wasn't physically abusive. He was a he was a mentally abusive um, man, and I'd never seen anything like that when I, you know, when I became a part of that family and was there. We ended up, um, I ended up leaving. Um, place I live in at in Santa Margarita and moving across the street, which was not a great idea. Um, it was cheap, and then I could stake on the Margarita Ranch. Really easy to go ride. <laughs> they actually had permission then, but it was a better place to train horses out of, and it was great because my mother-in-law invited me over to eat every night and take care of me, but I had to be, you know, unfortunately be around, you know, him and what he was what he was doing to the family and so and i'd never been around that kind of stuff before i i was raised to you know respect women from yeah you know, from you know that way um and you know it wasn't like that and so it was kind of hard hard to deal with it was tough on me <laughs> yeah did she move in with you guys when they got divorced she moved over to to our town and um she was with us a while and then she bought her own house in town and and so i mean we were the with each other every day i mean tammy was really close with her mother yeah. you know there wasn't a day they didn't you know see you know talk on the phone when she wasn't over with us five or six times a day and then when she was finally over there you know they would be together all day what day. was the story when she put the poncho on and the hat and the rifle across her chair and oh, sat out there <laughs> Oh, wow. So I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I had a, 
customer, and they were good customers at, at that time. At least I, I thought they were. They had horses with me, and it was, I don't know if it was like my third year, fraternity year, or whatever. These people brought me a colt, which was good for me at that time. You know, looking back, it was a shitter, but... <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, if somebody paying me to ride a show horse and they brought me this colt and he was dirty, bad study. I mean, rank I had to carry a a, a bat when I rode him, uh, half a shovel handle because he'd reach over and try to grab your leg and pull you off. <laughs> yeah, and I carry a shovel handle and nobody clean a stall but me because I'd walk in there with a shovel and make him go back because he had a stall with a little run and make him go back in there because he'd come out and try to take I mean, he was rank. And, and, you know, I couldn't make him cut him or send him home because I needed the money. We were broke. We ride any, I was riding mules, you know. Yeah. Somebody's going to send me a show horse. And so I did everything I can to ride this horse and get him as broke as I can. And f- finally, um, he was late in his three-year-old year. I had a little hot walker, and I had some horses on a hot walker had that horse tied up to hitch and rail to saddle him and went and, and it was right next to my double wide <laughs> and ran in to get a drink and he pulled out of that halter and he ran over that um hot walker and he had another horse held on the ground the horse was squealing like he was dying and i had to run over there with a the shovel and beat that horse off of him and then i finally told him you know somebody's going to get hurt bad just somebody's gonna get killed you got to cut him or take him home because it's too dangerous and I just got to live with the consequences and I'm going to lose a customer maybe. So they cut him and um, it was two weeks before the Paso fraternity or a week before the Paso fraternity, we cut him. So I go to the pa- little Paso fair fraternity. Remember? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Little Paso fair fraternity. So I go there and I end up third on that sucker. Ooh. Yeah. So good deal. Well, the pre fraternity in San Inez is what a month later. Yeah. Well, that horse is really sore from being cut at Paso. By a month later, that horse is all healed up and feeling good <laughs> and still thinks he's a stud. And I didn't mark above a 70 in either event. It was disastrous, and he was rank, you know, trying to do his old deal. You know, he's trying to bite my leg and when the rain work. So we... Um, Why is Lance carrying a quirk? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a quirk. It was yeah. half a shovel handle. <laughs> I mean, in the show pen. Yeah. Um, so Tammy, she just started showing. She wins the amateur there at that deal, and these people get all pissed off that their horse is so bad, and everybody's excited for Tammy. And it, I mean, she's an amateur, and I'm nope, and it doesn't relate. Right, doesn't even cross. But this guy, as a customer, he'd been great with us, but he had a rep bad reputation for being a fighter and a you know kind of a you know not a fair fighter you know yeah catch somebody in the back you know with the shovel or something you know in his day and my mother-in-law knew him well because she grew up with him and how bad he was so you know we leave the show get home and not two hours later these people come pulling in with their horse trader come pick up their horses and and leave and um my mother-in-law sees them coming so she skedaddles it's across the ditch she comes over across the ditch and she's got a she's got a blanket over her hand and she she comes over and and we got a chair she grabs a chair from the house and she's sitting out there because you know the trouble wide's here and then their barn little you know marimotel barns here and then we got some 
you know, makeshift stalls and all, all that. And they show up and they don't even say anything. We just start grabbing all their stuff and everything. And I'm just standing there making sure they don't take anything that's not theirs. And, um, and she sits down, she's sitting there and I'm looking at her and, and she just pulls that towel up and she got that pistol (laughs) underneath her hand. She's sitting there, she's just sitting there watching this guy the whole time. They load up all their stuff, and I'm still just standing there waiting and watching. I'm young, you know. Uh, uh, I'm pretty young, and this guy, um, he's probably in his late late 40s and got quite a bit more experience of, you know. Brawling. Brawling than, yeah. than I do. But I kind of felt like something was coming, you know. And So his wife jumps in the truck, and he comes over. And he's got a knife on in his belt, you know, and comes over and he's looking at me and his eyes are glassed over and he's looking in my eyes and, and you can feel it i can feel it and, but you know i'm gonna i can do what i'm gonna do he's not gonna well he might whip my ass but i'm gonna you know i'm not gonna cower down to him and he's looking at me squaring the eyes and he turns and i can see he looks past me and he's looking at my mother-in-law and um um she told tammy was there she wasn't saying nothing tammy was scared but my mother-in-law was smiling at him <laughs> and he looked back at me and then he looked at her and she got that pistol and she never showed it to him, but she was sitting there smiling at him and, um, he kept looking back and forth and finally he didn't do nothing. And he got in his truck and left. I don't think I knew she had the gun. I, when I turned around, why is he smiling at you? And she lifted up the gun and showed me, <laughs> but she said she never showed it to him, but she had killed him dead right there. If he had touched me she, that's pretty good mother-in-law yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she told me she told me if tammy and i ever got divorced that she was going to take me and not tammy and <laughs> that's how much she loved me and that's how much i love my mother unfortunately she died too young of cancer it um we lost her she, she was only 60, you know. Yeah, she was young. Young for her. She was so yeah. energetic. and She was a vibrant. Yeah, and great person. Do anything for anybody. And, I mean, she drove the drunk bus. She drove the drunk bus, <laughs> and she drove the bad kids bus, you know. Bad kids, I mean, really bad kids, you know. Bad kids that shanked people. Oh. And bad kids, you know, juvie kids, you know. And she drove those kids. <laughs> And those kids loved her, and that if anybody messed with her, they would, they would take care of them. Cause, you know, she was just that cool, and she'd relate to those kind of kids, and you know, wouldn't wouldn't treat them like most of us would treat them, and mm-hmm. you know, and so they respect her. She was just such a great woman. She was neat. Yeah, and anybody like you who got to know her around the show deal, you know, really loved her. Yeah. Can't wait to see her. Yeah. <laughs> and she always had a great story. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, always. She's half crazy, but yeah. she was good. Yeah. <laughs> she was fun. <laughs> so anyhow, so you married Tammy. Yep. And how do you get from uh, over there on the coast to Lindsay? Well, were you still in college when y'all got married? Yeah. I was okay. still in college. Oh, was she in college? No, she had, she'd gone to, um, she'd got a, a rodeo scholarship to Hart and L and then, um, Hart and L, um, decided to stop, get rid of the rodeo team and they're still going on her scholarship, but she won the rodeo. And so she went back home and, um, 
Cal Poly was going to take her on their team, and she didn't like school much. And finally, she said she said no. So she was living at home and working for that um, for that feed store. Um, just waiting for you to come sweep her off her yeah, feet. Yeah, waiting, yeah. <laughs> waiting for Prince Charming. To, yeah, she's, she's going to puke at that. <laughs> Wait for Prince Charming to get a drink of water out of the faucet. <laughs> I want a string of mules. Yeah. <laughs> Show up in a turtleneck with a gold chain. Yeah, I don't know why she said yes. Why did you? Why, what? I'd like to see. A what prompted of that? that? Well, in high school, you know. <laughs> I, I guess what it was is that, you know, the way you're ranching garb. I mean, I had a I had a black hat with a punched out top with just a little dent in it with a huge brim. That's what I wore as a kid. Yeah, you know, and high boots, and I liked the old Spanish spurs. I mean, it was it was that when I was at home and I went to school. I just city. like a chameleon. Yeah, changed garb. Go to and, city. You know, I had a friend that was um, a cowboy friend who always felt out of place you know, in school, because he just, you know, with several of them, they just wear the garb. So I just switched, and it was no big deal. And um, so that's why it was college, you know. When I was one place, I'd wear the garb. The other place, I'd switch. And Went in Rome? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, when, but it was the wrong garb for her. Right. And, and, look, and looking, looking back, you know, it wasn't like I was trying to fit in. It was just, you know, you wear this in here. Yeah. Town but now clothes. looking back, I was like, why not just stick to my... Be what you were? Yeah, be what I was. You be know? the hick you are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't, you know, you know, when we, you know, when we'd like have a big Brandon or something. Well, Brandon, we'd put on a big barbecue at home. But like if we, you know, weaning calves or something, we had a crew we'd go down to the local restaurant the buckhorn and take everybody there so i'd see all my friends and stuff so when like embarrassed wearing my cowboy right. stuff i'd just switch off and it, but that pretty much ended when when, when you got tammy after the second date yeah, yeah. <laughs> she got, got rid of all she got rid of that shit and <laughs> <laughs> so you guys got done with college got married yeah we lived we lived across the street from her parents, and I was still living there when I graduated. And then through that tax store, um, this um, French guy coming in the tax store said he had some horses. He's looking for a trainer. Said he had a his, him and his brother building a winery and a horse training facility, and he's <laughs> looking for a trainer. So mother-in-law sent him to me, and he brought some horses to me. I got him to buy um, my first finals I made. It was on a mare that my family had bought for me, new cash mare, and I'd made the finals on two two horses at the same time. One was from my first show horse customer I had, and so I got that guy to buy her, and then um, he built a training facility along with his brother's winery, and um, we moved there, which was in Paso. And so, um, so that kind of got the... 25, you're 24... Yeah. Maybe younger, huh? Um, Maybe 20. No, I'm 25 years old. I'm pretty 25, 26 years old by then, um, pretty much. And so, you know, that kind of got the horse training for the show deal going better, you know, better yeah. horses. And I was able to buy some better horses, and so things got good, good, ended up starting to make finals, you know, on a regular basis. But that only lasted two years there. 
and the brothers got in a fight and the brother that liked the horse training deal got booted out. And so he, he <laughs> lucky. Yeah. yeah. L- leased to own the old Moody ranch. And so that's how we oh, got to the right. valley. That's right. Yep. That's how we got to the valley. And little did I know the brother with the horse training deal didn't have any, any money, money at all. And, he ended up being a big, big time crook. I mean, big time. He did his name wasn't even the name he told us. I mean, he was a big wow. time criminal. Um, we didn't find that out till till later. But anyways, that's how we ended up over there. And um, I had a German kid working for me named Christoph, young yep, kid, good, yeah, good kid. He'd come from the Ward Ranch and he was working for me, and we were riding. 47 horses between the two of us no saddlers um they had mm. they had stall cleaners with <laughs> just me and him riding them and i'd come to realize and then pretty soon christoph wasn't getting paid and then pretty soon i wasn't getting paid and i realized then they had no money and they were just taking our the money we were making on training those horses and him and his family are living and we weren't getting paid and then one day they show up and they have and we, I hadn't been paid for three months, and like Christoph hadn't been paid for, for six months. And they show up with a big stack of groceries and new boots for all three kids and him and his wife. And and then I called um, Brandon Stabler, who's a friend of mine who I just met. Um, at the time, wasn't a friend. He'd actually called me because I'd put some horses up for sale that we had of our own a little bit. And he calls me, and pretty soon I start selling we had several horses of our own. We start selling all of our horses off, and um, and then I took that guy's horse and I sold him to Brandon, a filly we'd bought as a two-year-old to the snaffle bit sale. That unfortunately we didn't. I'd, I made a mistake. It was a two-year-old that had been pushed too hard and she was fried. We at that time I think we paid twenty-eight thousand, which was a high seller back then. Wow. Second high seller. I sold her to Brandon for five thousand dollars a year later as a team painter. Or, yeah, to his customer to get money, um, to, you know, for us and for that kid because you know we were starving and that guy was taking, you know, taking that money and so we sold our horses. We had I don't know five, six, eight, whatever, and it made enough money to make a down payment. And Tammy found our place and made a down payment on our place and and um, build up more customer base because a lot of the horses we were riding was the horses that guy owned. And so we just took anybody that was coming in. And so that's why we were riding so many horses. So we had a customer base. Because mm. um, there for a while we were just riding his because he had so many. But we built up a, a new customer base. And and we one day we just loaded everything up. And they didn't have a clue. And we just left. And um, so ended up at the place we are now. I'll be dang. Now, did you have Tristan through all that? Yeah, we had Tristan when we were in Paso. He was born there. Um, we waited because we wanted to wait till you know things were right. And in Paso, that job at that time was seemed you know, good, pr- pretty big time. <laughs> you know, pretty big time. You know, yeah. there was ads in the paper. We had ads and you know advertising studs and all this. And I was buying horses left. You know, I thought I was big time, and so we thought, okay, now's the time. Finally. You know, when we had Tristan. We made it. We made it, yeah. We've arrived. We made it. And, you know. I think Never another broke day. <laughs> yeah, it's all over now. Yeah, starting to make the open finals, and, you know, n- nobody cared about anything at that time because there was no world's greatest except for the fraternity. And if you that made the it. fraternity finals, you know, 
that was it. You you were you were in, and um, so you know, Fraternity finals, and then Hackamore, Tulane, and Bridal. That was yeah. At every fair, yeah, every fair there was. The we, yeah, we, on the west coast, man. We hit him. That was it. So we had him, and you know, the two girls those people had, we loved to death, and you know, Tristan loved them, and I mean. He was a crook, but we had some really great times. Good times. And people, and they really jump-started my career. And then, you know, we, I, um, <laughs> pre-fraternity, I loaded up. I'd sent everything home that was customer horses, except for the horses I was taking to the pre-fraternity. I took the horses to the pre-fraternity. After pre-fraternity, Jim Putnam called him up and said, hey, I need a favor. I need a place to live because my place wasn't my place we had was only had a house on it we had to build everything a barn and everything so everything's not built yet you know can i stay keep my horses at your place and train out of there till the fraternity and jim you know great guy he has said come on and i trained out of there till the fraternity why and we'd train i think we had eight show horses you know or nine maybe eight to ten show horses that were going to the fraternity you know three-year-olds and stuff so we'd train them. We'd go home, and in the middle of the night, we'd, you know, dig post holes and build shit. And Tammy's dad, which is the only time he was ever worth being around, um, <laughs> and my grandfather and Tammy built our barn. Oh. Yeah. And pretty much her dad just sat there and watched. And my grandfather <laughs> my grandfather and Tammy built the built our barn. And then Christoph and I would get off and at 10 o'clock until about 1 in the morning. You know, we would build stuff, and then we'd get up at 4 in the morning, go to sleep, go to 4 in the morning, head to gyms and ride, and, you know, that's what we did. And after the fraternity, Christoph Visa was done, so he had to go home, and I get to talk to him a couple times a year. He calls me. He's in Germany, pretty successful rainer over there and doing good. But um, Jim Putnam's a little bit of an unsung hero in the oh, cow horse, huh? Yeah. Lance, amazing. I mean, people, I mean, now people don't even know how much he did early on if it wasn't for him there would be no cow horse yeah i don't think he saved present it. yeah he did some he, he was major huh. he was major he was a major player president and just he did so many things besides have one of the coolest dads of all time bring your wife or your husband your pink slip in your checkbook. <laughs> you had a car lot in Visalia. <laughs> <laughs> Just bring your car, your wife, your husband, pink slip, and we'll, we'll get you in a new one. <laughs> he was great. Oh, yeah, and he still is. Um, his daughter still bought, yeah. bought a horse, and um, a two-year-old, and I picked it up here, actually, at the fraternity, and sent it home with me, and so I'm riding a horse for them. Oh, and, cool. Yeah, so he comes over whenever he can to sit there and watch me, and, you know, I just, I work the horse, and then he'll just start telling me story after story. And remember <laughs> when I did this, and I, you know, I think the boxing was his idea. You know, starting, so. starting a boxing class was his idea. And, um, and how many trainers have gone through there? You know, through his place, yeah. Rozier and Jake and Monica and I am mean, just more yeah. on and on and me than you and me I mean tons helped a lot of people. Yeah. He was a good man. Yeah. So you get your place started, <laughs> and you move, start building it. 
Yeah, we we so after the fraternity we move in and but you know all we have is the round corral and the barn built. We don't have anything else, and so we you know we just start building as we're going and riding horses and you know riding a few show horses, and, you know maybe oh maybe a dozen show horses, but you know about two that are any good, you know mm-hmm. really. And then just a bunch of grocery horses just trying to make it. and um, But at that time in the show pen, I was just getting better and better and doing good. And so things just, you know, gradually built up that we were pretty much, you know, rocking and rolling and for quite a while until, you know, the back really went bad. And then it just crashed. And for five years it was, you know. Struggle. It was bad. You know, it was a tough struggle. And then finally figured out how to maintain my back and you know and started to pull myself out of the out of the gutter and then you know rocking bs brent and susie stewart come along and the horse flesh really improved and then it just got better from there how much of um pulling yourself up out of there you know it's it's you get down in there and get not winning and but it happened to you pretty late in life. So you knew what winning felt like, and you had an idea how to train. And how did you fall off in there? And then, how, and what brought you out of there as far as your amount of experience? Like finding the horse flesh or changing your mindset on the training? or, or well, the, the mindset, um, my goal was, you know, to... You know, obviously from all the stories everybody's heard about being a little kid wanting to win the snaffle bit. And, you know, I always looked at myself when I won, I was supposed to. When I didn't, I was a failure. So, you know, I didn't enjoy winning enough and the losing hurt me more. So, um, you know, that kind of, you know, which is not good. You need mm-hmm. to kind of be equal with that and not do that. So, so it was bad. So when I started losing that much and not doing good it really hated you know and it was really hard for hard on me and you know it was tough you know it's just thinking me i need to quit you know i just can't do this anymore but i just couldn't quit you know it's just kind of in me i just won't quit and but i kept thinking you know i just and finally one day you know just struggling through it and just you know really seriously depressed about it for a long time and just trying to fight my way and hang on tooth and nail and and everything I did in show pin didn't work it wasn't just like one thing I was bad at you know it would it'd be something different every time that would stop me from doing any good and and I had some good horses and um here and there but you know it just wasn't working and it just wasn't one thing I could concentrate on because it just kept switching and so the harder I worked the worse it got and so I just come down and say I'm just I'm finally going to quit. And then I got to thinking about it. I'm like, well, I love this deal. I love the rain cow horse family. I'm a huge rain cow horse fan. I love everything about it. So, you know, am I going to quit and go do something else that I hate? Or maybe I should just accept that I'm not going to win the snaffle bit and I'm not going to win all that and just enjoy being it, doing it. And accept that I'm going to be an intermediate lifer and just just do it because I enjoy it. 
I had a good non-pro base, which is paying the bills, and get a few show horses, just go and enjoy it and quit putting the pressure on myself that, you know, I'm a failure because I never won the snaffle bit yet. Because to me, I thought I was a, a failure. And just keep pecking away and do that. When I decided that, everything cleared up in my mind, and it wasn't long later that all of a sudden um, that, um, that I am counting checks Philly came along and I ended up second. That was kind of the first one, the first time it went back to Reno. That was the first big deal. I ended up second and won the intermediate. And then, bam, you know, they bought the Mustang, and then I won the damn Mustang years. Year <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's right, the Mustang. And then things just started to happen again. Um, I love that horse because yeah. it bucked your girl off, and she had to buy beer for everybody. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> she had her a muck bucket full of beer up there during the fence work. One thing led to another, and then, you know, it, is good friends with Terrell, and so he would come over and ride, and Brent would come with him, and you know they had that uh, um, that that mare, that bridal horse mare, and Terrell didn't rope much, and I always I loved that mare because I'd known her since she was a two year old, and I said man she'd be a great world's greatest horse, and so her two rain year at the Derby, they decided that she needed to go to the world's greatest, and. And Brent says, why don't you just take her to the world's greatest? You know, because Terrell doesn't do the roping deal, so why don't you just take her? And I took her, and I locked, lost the cow at the buzzer, but I had a lot of success on her that year. I won several little deals. Um, and then they said, and she was supposed to go back to, to Terrell, but I'd won several little deals. And I said, why don't you just keep her? He hadn't had much success on her, and, and so I had, and so they decided to keep her with me and then you know one thing led to another and you know then buying cheese and then winning and you know and fraternity and then it just all took off and um but it almost you know i almost quit mm -hmm. but i just you know i loved the loved the whole ring cow horse deal and so, the ring cow horse so much i just couldn't walk away from it and probably lance like and we've heard this a few times chris like when you decided to enjoy it, that's when it became enjoyable. Yeah. Versus if you don't win, you're nothing. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot to put on yourself yeah. in a three event situation where winners change a yeah. lot. Yeah. I and mean, you know, anything can happen and you know, you draw the wrong cow and you know, not your fault. Nothing you can do about it. But, but I just still consider myself a you know a failure. And when I took that pressure off myself, things got better. My back was still really bad and causing you know most of the problem. And then eventually I kind of figured out how to maintain it. And um, and but kind of always figured you know that you know everybody's so good in this deal and at such high level and me you know, it, to be crippled trying to compete that, you know, didn't pressurize myself because I figured, hell, I can't, it's hard enough to beat these guys when I'm not crippled. Right. Now I'm crippled. Well, you know, let's just enjoy and take what I can. You know, if I placed an intermediate, not the open, it was like, oh, I was, I was disgusted by it. Well, then after my mindset changed, you know, I was happy with any check, you know, cause, yep. you know, I couldn't win anything, couldn't place anywhere. And, so I was finally happy and then um, appreciating and enjoying, you know, 
any success where before success I just expected of myself so I took in no enjoyment in it and you know but when I did bad then I just let it eat at me badly well that's a common thread right there I think I mean it's I mean they had did an ad at Super Bowl I think it was like do these guys win because they're do they, are they happy because they win or do they win because they're happy and there's a lot to be said for that you know and I mean and like saying just being able to embrace the whole process of it and like I say it losing sucks but I mean it's part of the deal and if you can't wrap your arms around it man it's it's not going to get better it'll know? eat you and I think it's real interesting talking about you know building up the non-pro client base I was actually just talking to a guy this morning about the exact same thing he's like I don't I want to be like an open top 20 rider I'm like well like you've got a family like maybe you need to like it's fine if that's what you want to do you can there's ways to go do it i mean you can go maybe go work for somebody again you know and go get on there where you can get on that stock or you can just like embrace the lifestyle like you're making a good living training horses it's not all bad you know like you know he doesn't he lives off you know and geographically not the most easy place to do it but it's a it's a pretty good deal and i'm like you just need to decide what you want to do and but like if you'll just embrace that journey, like it's amazing what how things can turn around. So it's cool to hear you say that here just a couple hours yeah. after I had this conversation with this kid earlier. And and when you're enjoying it, you think better when you're training versus yeah. I failed and I've got to make this better. And you go out there and try to force it, man, that don't work. No, and you know, I was, you know, he wasn't happy with my horses. I'm sure my horses hated me. And, mm-hmm. you know, and when I changed my mindset, you know, I love my horses. I love horses, you know. And besides loving what we do, I'm a huge fan. You know, if I'm not, you know, when I was judging the world's greatest, I jumped up out of my seat and started cheering for somebody. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's supposed to be a partial. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Bill. And he's all, that's okay. That's okay. That's really, really cool. But just try to settle Tone down. Tone it down. I don't blame you. And, you know, because, and I think it was Swales, you know, when he, when he did, you know, did mm-hmm. that just spectacular run to win it. I'm just a you know huge fan, and I love it. And when I realized all that, took the pressure off myself, and and then you know things started turning my way, and then I was able to maintain my back better. And I think my some of the back actually helped me because I'd struggled always showing my rein work. I thought I you know and still do think that I have them trained right, but the preparation at a show and then actually the showmanship part I, I struggled with and the back slowed me down, slowed me way down. And I think that really helped, you know, helped my rain work, make things more methodical. And then when I got something right in the schooling pen, I quit because it hurt too bad to keep going instead of drilling it, you know, I just go out there get it done in the schooling pen and then go show it. And I wasn't worried about showing and failing because I was hurting so bad. That's all I was thinking about. <laughs> yeah, and so my mind wasn't stressed about if I'm going to make this mistake and that mistake because there's no cow. When there's a cow, I just relate to cow because I've been working cattle since I was a baby, you know. you know. So the rain work, you have time to think. And 
Um, but I was always doing stuff too fast, showing, going too fast and right. everything. And the back, I think, slowed me down. and Made and you think. I, and, made, and then, you know, I was, you know, quite a bit better at it. You know, still need to keep improving. But, um, you know, I went up from marking 13s to 19s and 20s. So it was a huge improvement. But, mm-hmm. You know, I find that a lot in the whole business when people, because you're extremely athletic. And if you're not intense, there's not another word for it my whole life that I've known you. And athletic, intense people sometimes do more in the show pin than they need to. And then when you put that back in there, it made you say, hey, it's not all me. It's you. Yeah. You, you got to do some of it. I mean, that's a, that's a mental fight for a lot of people that... Sometimes being athletic and going at it, being having that intensity isn't such a benefit because you wind up doing more for the horse and propping them up with what you can do. And then when you get in there in that big, high-pressure, fast situation, you can't always be there. They got to be there. Yep. They got to figure it out. Yep, that's exactly what it was for me. I had to change. I didn't change anything at home training my fence horses, but I had to change how I showed. Cause remember, when you were there and part of it mm-hmm. and, was, and you were coming up then um you know i could take anything down the fence and yes. make it and score huge on it and i could force the run you know yep. you know and just make it happen well when my back happened i was trying to do the same stuff and my mind's reading everything but my body's not reacting so i didn't change the training but eventually it took me five years but figured out um it changed my showing. So all I tell myself now is to ride straight by and watch my cow. I just ride straight by and watch your cow. The horse will take care of everything else. Just do my job. Don't try to force anything. Don't try to make anything happen. Don't try to make it big. Just do my job and trust my horses. And so, you know, before I would force things, and it always worked because I had the timing. But now I don't. So now... I, get, I rely more on my horse flesh to, you know, in, in what I've trained them to do. And when I started doing that, then I started having the success again, too. Mm-hmm. Um, in the herd work, I'd had a lot of success, at, you know, winning a lot of herd works early. And then, you know, new styles come in, you know, more weight and a lot of stuff like that. And I quit having success, but it was because of my back, not because of my style at that time. But I would, you know, gradually change. I had no problem with changing with styles, but the back was the biggest issue. So I completely tried to change my style and everything fell apart drastically. And, And so then when I finally figured out, hey, I can't do that stuff. You know, I've got to kind of go back to somewhat where I was and slowly and implement a little bit of the new stuff. But, you know, some of that stuff I physically can't do. And so I need to kind of, you know, step back and just incorporate a little bit of it and don't drastically change it. And then that changed my herd work back into being quite a bit better and and improving. Um, Obviously, always still, still working at it, but. You know, a lot of stuff I was trying to change and drastically do this and that. But the biggest problem was my back. You know, I trained a whole set of horses and I couldn't feel my right leg. Couldn't even walk on my right leg because the nerve was destroyed. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I feel bad for that set of horses. I still got one. Still, a, <laughs> still a non-pro horse in in my barn. But um, well, I remember it was a few years. It was a few years before cheese, I guess. I remember talking to you because you had two sorrel horses, and these things were out of this world. I mean, they were outstanding, but you were hurting so bad, and like struggling to get showed. It seemed like, but man, them horses were so trained. Like it was, I don't know. It just really. I mean, I'd always looked up to you because, like I said, you were kind of on top when I was coming up. And I was like, yeah, heck yeah, this is Lance Johnson here. And then it's like, well, and kind of fade off. But then them horses start coming back. And you could still, you like, just looked like there was just a something in there where you were just, something was missing, you know. But them horses were so good in every event. I was just like, man, alive. That guy has got it going on. And if he can just figure out how to block the pain for five minutes to go horse show it's gonna be huge yep and it just it was tough and you know something would always happen you know because of it but it just stuck with it and finally and it's still a process you know it's still stuff i'm you know still dealing with it but here not too long i should get surgery and make it a whole lot better and right. got a great surgeon casey branquino um you're not letting him do surgery and and chris cox did (laughs) oh dr pat johnson and so you know here and in the near future hopefully we'll be able to fix me up to to make me better than i am and i'll at least get rid of the pain and (laughs) right well that'd be good man alive i can only imagine the head games like say like is it my style is it my horse trend or is it just my back i mean like it's this whole deal such a such a head case it may i mean it make you into a head case doing this yeah. anyway because it's like man I'm doing everything they feel good not winning oh i'm just i'm a point short well maybe i just don't have it maybe it's not a good enough horse maybe it's maybe it's just a little tweak or maybe your back's hurting you know and i oh i can't even imagine that what you've been going through with that for shoot it's been a minute yeah and it's still tough because you know um you know, now I got the snaffle fraternity champion. Now there's a pressure of making him still look good and go do good. And he's so physical in the herd work and so quick. And I struggle to keep up with him and not be in his way because he hurts me every move he makes. And so because I'm behind and because that's going on, it's, you know – He's holding the cow and he's doing his job and doing everything, but it's not as fluid as I think he should be, you know, because of me, you know. So, you know, that kind of stuff's in my head, you know. Here, you got to – you want to make sure your fraternity horses – I don't want my fraternity winner to look like a flop, you know. Right. Like, there's several of them that never won a dollar after they won the fraternity. Right. And, mm. You know, so that's a mental game, right, you know, mental thing and right you can there. Almost – it almost manifests itself, you know, because you were doing like really good in Scottsdale and then like just that freak dealing stopped so hard, fell back there yeah, on his and butt. I, and it was yeah. my fault. I forgot to put the studs in, you know, if I had had the studs, it would have held, you know, and he would have been able to hold it. And then I'm in the finals and no big deal, but I, you know, it should be not an excuse, but I had a, my help caused a huge problem, made a huge bunch of mistakes and, just screwed everything up at that show and so my head wasn't right because i was dealing with them and um 
they got fired afterwards. Um, but, you know, I made mistakes mentally because I was dealing with, you know, that, which we all go through that, you know. Well, that's it. And that's what people don't talk about. I mean, like, you don't want to be having excuses. But, I mean, there's a lot of crap going on while you're doing stuff. I mean, shoot, fire. I can't imagine all the struggles people are having this week. My kid at home, <clears throat> thank God for Stefan Heim. I'll tell you that because he calls this morning like, hey, no power, no water. He's like, we're hauling water. I don't know. He had a plan of some sort. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> like, he's Perfect. like, he's, he's, my, he's my Swiss Army dude. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But like, everybody's got that stuff going on. And so, like, I think a guy has to really make yourself compartmentalize and like, nope, well, that's great. But right now, this is all we're doing and just completely block it out. And that's hard to do sometimes. <laughs> Speaking of that, the pain does that for me and that's one thing it's funny how as much as this hurt me it made me so much better because of it the more i hurt the more all i focus i focus on one thing because i can't do it all because i can't even hardly think about anything because the pain affects me so much that it takes every bit of energy just to do what i'm doing so that's where tammy comes in and she takes care of everything else I mean, like I explained, you know, I said it, you know, at the fraternity when I won it, you know, the beginning of that year at the stakes, she had to dress me. I mean, literally dress me. I could not dress myself. And then... Sponge bath, please. Yeah, and then... (laughs) But the pain makes you just focus on one thing and nothing else, which makes you do better. Mm Mm-hmm. You know... Which is kind of weird, you know, being that much pain, but it just make you just focus on one thing. It's forced mindfulness. Yeah. There's people spend a lot of money learning how to meditate and do this and that. Just get hurt. Knock your back you just, out. You just yeah. knock your be back miserable. out. You just, <laughs> For a long yeah, amount of time. Just be miserable. Yeah. <laughs> I think they call that single point uh, meditation. <laughs> Russell, I'm not sure who you use for your horse insurance needs, but we use Rio Pritchard with Ranch and Equine Operations. They're an insurance agency that not only specializes in equine insurance, but also offers a wide range of coverages to meet your individual needs. They've been around since 01. Rio Pritchard over there, I'm telling you, he can get you the deals. Uh, They do us a wonderful job. I mean, always, you know he's coming with a very competitive rate and super accessible. When you have a horse gets hurt or gets sick, it doesn't matter if it's the middle of the night or you've bought one at a horse sale and you need insurance before you go home. You call Rio, and he's going to make it all work for you. I mean, the customer service is unbelievable. We've been with him now about three years, and it's awesome. I yeah. mean, we have – I really can't think of enough good things to say. I mean, it's just such a – I mean, nobody likes to think or talk about insurance, but he makes it so easy. You know, not going to try and big word you about it. Just tell you what's up. This is the way it's going to be, and – and it works. We've had to use a few claims, and, I mean, it has been such a seamless process. And he's not pushy on you, just shows you the facts and lets you make decisions. So even if you don't use him, give him a shot. Yep. Give him a shot. Let him have a shoot you a quote and see where you're at with what you got. Yep, check him out on Facebook there at uh, Ranch and Equine Operations, horse insurance. Long-term pain's a bad deal. I don't wish it on anybody. The worst I've ever been in pain, I had a radiator blow up on me and burn me. And um, I got a ride to the hospital. Um, 
over the grade going into San Luis Obispo at 45 miles an hour in the middle of summer, 100 degree heat with no air conditioner and that sun shining on what I just got burned. Oh, that's why a, only 45 miles an hour traffic? No, that's all he drive. Oh, <laughs> and that that drive, which is 15 minutes at the most, took us 45. Oh, and that's the worst pain I ever been in. But this long-term pain is, you know, I don't wish it on on anybody, and um, and don't like to complain about it at all because I watched my mother die, grandmother die, not excuse me, my mother-in-law die of cancer and go through the pain she went with slowly. Yeah, and that is brutal. Brutal, you know, cancer is a bad dude. Mm. <laughs> you know, he's a brutal dude, and so that's much worse than anything I've ever gone through but but long term pain is a bad deal and when you get just some relief from it after going to it you realize oh wow I've been dealing with this for a long time just a little relief or whatever get a epidural or get my nerves cauterized or whatever and then you go oh wow imagine not having that at all and so I don't wish it on anybody mm. Uh, it's, you like you know well you watch the rodeo and they do the fitness reports you know and them Ooh. guys blow out an acl or a broke leg and they're yeah questionable or, yeah no they're gonna yeah. compete yeah. and then you have these guys playing football and stuff and well he's got a little turf toe probably yeah. not gonna play this week he <laughs> <laughs> got lance here <laughs> and it's every day every day oh you're a tough son of a gun that's all thank god he didn't go to football yeah. on us all right <laughs> i'm i'm Thinking back, as much as I would have loved to play, this is what I was meant to do. I mean, yeah. Um, I think my family all, but my dad would have rather had me become a vet because I'd going into pre-vet at Cal Poly Animal Science. And, you know, I thought I wanted to be a vet because something got hurt in the ranch. You didn't call a vet. You sewed it up. And so I loved doing that. I'd stitch them up, sew them up, do all that. So, oh, I want to become a vet, but I hated school. I thought when I went to college, it'd be just some major deal. And when I went to college, it I just went to a bigger high school. And I'd had enough of that. You know, I was the only kid, ranch-raised, and you were expected to be an adult when you were 10 years old. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it just felt like, you know, what's your major? What, you know, just felt that kind of, it just, I couldn't stand it. But I was smart enough to realize I needed that piece of paper because if something ever happened to me when I decided, hey, this is what I want to do, I better finish because I need that piece of paper and um, in case I get hurt <laughs> bad enough that I can't do it. And in the midst of that five-year deal where I was hurting so bad, I got offered um, a job at a local high school. They're going to pay me a hundred thousand dollars to be their um, ag teacher a year. And that's pretty good money. That's a pretty good act yeah, teacher yeah, going right there. Yeah, be, and they wouldn't make me go fulfill my credentials. To, they would just accept what I had, had already done in my experience. Um, and so, you know, and because I'd already had my college degree, so, you know, I didn't take it, but I had that opportunity if physically, you know, you know, they're like if I, you know, what happens, I get surgery and something goes wrong, well, at least got that the fall back on yeah we're always we're all only one wreck away yeah 
Just just one wreck away. Yeah, I mean, um, you were around then. I don't, I'm not sure if you were around then when that lady got killed. I was there. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I was the first one that was there. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I was a... That was a little bit of an eye opener for me. Yeah, that is a bad deal. And Changed I mean, my mind it about a lot of stuff. You know, Corey's wreck. You know, could have been that and mine. I mean, hers is horrific, and it was, you know, the horse crossed the cow and didn't pull up. You know, so there was huge mistakes happened there that you know caused that. But it still doesn't mean you know that. Blink of an eye, man. Yeah, you know, it, it just could happen. Anyone else? Yep. You know, Corey went down hard. I went down hard, and it could have just, mm-hmm. just been like that. And it's got, it's got a can't be a sissy doing our event. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Doug Williamson. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not so, a sissy. So what was the coldest you ever been, Lance? <laughs> <laughs> Not in Stevensville? No, Stevensville was cold. It was I, really cold. There's only that's one so Steven. <laughs> that so irritates you. Now I'm going to do it on purpose. <laughs> it's like the guys that get the lyrics wrong. <laughs> when they're singing themselves asleep? Yeah. Loser. <laughs> <laughs> and the wind in, in yeah, it was just. <laughs> Quiama. Quiama. Yeah. You wouldn't think it. It's in California. I've been several different states and it's been pretty damn cold. Been in Canada, you know, below zero. But I'm sure it was probably somewhere in the high teens. But with the wind blowing mm. 30 miles an hour mm. and just, it was miserable. Well, it's sure been cold here this week, but not. Unbearable. No. Not Are you joking me? Yeah, it's not like Stevensville. It's not like Stevensville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's tunnels. Some people Some people are winding, and there's tunnels from the heated arena to the heated arena. That's what like, I was thinking. Really? The other you know morning, what? I'm looking. I'm in a multi-purpose. I'm looking around there, and like. Covered. Man, it's covered, and there are heaters <laughs> pointed at the ground. Like this could be a lot worse. And my mm. wife's sending me pictures of the snow, two and a half foot deep, that she can't get any vehicles to start it. <laughs> She's got to park the pickup inside to jump the. I'm thinking, yeah, it ain't bad here. I'm like, I hope the mail stops so I don't get my divorce papers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why she married you in the first place. <laughs> Sheer charm. <laughs> it's going around. <laughs> yeah, the both of you. I can't remember why she married me. Yeah, it's your stunning good looks. Yeah. Way out of your league. Wasn't my you. hair? Wasn't my hair? <laughs> Might have been them eyebrows. <laughs> I can't see him. <laughs> That's a lie. They do grow down into my eyelashes. It's so it's, I can't grow any hair on my head, but these things will grow all the way down. You get them trimmed up nice and pretty. Uh-huh. My barber does that. Yeah. <laughs> Your salon. Yeah, my salon. My, uh, do you go to the same barber as Joe Exotic? No, he's in prison. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he can't get in there. <laughs> 
Zane Davis goes and sees him all the time. Who's that? To Joe Exotic. Zane, yeah, he's a Joe Exotic fan. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing he won. <laughs> Come in yeah. here and smush you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what we didn't really talk about, Lance, is how did you decide to be a horse trainer? Like you were on the ranch, mm-hmm. and then you were riding mules and shoeing to put yourself through college. Like at what? So, point? Where did you see the cow horse? You know, yeah. Like, well, so I'm a little kid, and my dad um, we're living on the family ranch and helping. My, my grandfather out. I'm pretty pretty young. I think we moved back to the family ranch when I was seven because um, we were working for a local ranch um, until I was seven. When I was seven years old, we moved back, and then my dad helped my grandfather out because he needed help, um, and then day working on the side. Um, he got hired on to probably the best job he ever had, short term, unfortunately, because the boss got killed in a drunk driving accident um but um he um excuse me um i lost my train of thought sorry about that <laughs> how you got how you saw the cow horse and got started training so anyways Seven. um yeah he got that job with that guy and that guy had cow horses in training i believe with tommy shelley at the time oh really yeah and so um he, uh, my dad um, got invited to go to Reno to go to go watch Snap Fraternity with um, Tommy Shelley showing the horses. And At Reno or Fresno? <laughs> hey, it wasn't Fresno? No, it was Reno. Oh, really? Years ago, the original Reno. The fir- before the Fresno? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, before then. And so they flew back there. And so I'm just a little kid, like eight years old. And they come back, and they got all of this hats and all this shit, and they tell me all about it. And I said, I'm going to win that someday. Because when I was a little kid, all I cared about was horse Ed, Ed Connell, you know, Rainsman, Hackamore Rainsman. Yeah, yeah. I got that one right now. Yeah, and I'd just read that. I'd just read them back and forth in tons, and I'd, that's all I wanted to do is, you know, ride horses and do that that kind of stuff. And, and so when they come back and I'm going to win that someday and do that. So that's where it kind of got started in my head. And when I was, I raised a lot of leppy calves because local ranchers, you know, they want to deal with leppy calves. So they would just <laughs> give them to me. My mother helped me save them and raise them. So I started a bank account and then I, I bought a Doc's Cowboy Philly, you know, Doc's Cowboy, Taki, Taiki Manetti Road, Doc's Cowboy. I think he won the, Non-pro staff of maturity um, on him. Anyways, I bought that filly, and that was kind of that was the first horse I ever started. I was twelve years old, and then after that, um, they started. Um, local people started asking me to um, ride, ride, and start horses, and so it just kind of went off from there. Huh. You were early. I mean, yeah, I figured out early. I don't know what I had figured out, but well, seven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I where you wanted to go, you had an idea. Yeah. So, the, what? So, what got? When had you seen the fraternity? Because you didn't even see that one. This brought stuff. Oh back. no, the first fraternity I saw was the one Sandy one. Oh, me too. 
Yep. That was the first one I saw. Yeah, Tammy was, it, was it 91? I don't know why that comes jumps three out. Or three or four. Three or four. That's before my time. Yeah, 93 because John won it in 94, I think, a Masteroni. But anyways, Tammy, there's a big barrel fraternity along with the snaffle bit. It was kind of controversial because barrel horses and anyways tammy we went to the barrel fraternity with tammy and um she made the finals of barrel fraternity which was during the snap of a fraternity finals you know in between one I'll of the events darn. yeah and um that was the first one i I'll saw but you never did you ever go to work for anybody or you just did it no, all yourself I did it on my own no kidding when yeah. i was in college i'd Bob Loomis videos, you know, because I had the whole <laughs> library. Those. Yeah, watch Bob Loomis videos and I mean, Al Dunning videos, any videos I can get a hold of um, everything, you know, Greg Ward videos because they had them in the archives there. I just yeah. watch everything. And Bet you wish you had some Rain Cowhorse training online in those days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. There, yeah. Was not, there wasn't much out there. Yeah, and, you know, I was... I was an outsider. I didn't work for anybody. And back then, you know, everybody's helpful now. If you walk up to any, you know, most anybody, if you ask them, you know, some nobody, some young kid comes and asks you, you know, what's this? Can you help me? You're going to help them, right? Darn we'll right. all do it. Mm-hmm. But back then, it wasn't that way, you know. And especially if you're an outsider, if you work for somebody, you know, right. they're going to help you out. But you know, I I was an outsider and I didn't work for anybody, and so I was kind of on my own, and it, it was it was tough. And then kind of in the judging, you know, especially back then, the way the judging was, you know, I was a nobody, and you didn't get marked even if you were good. It was hard enough to be good back then, but right. Greg used to say, "When you're young, you don't get as much as you deserve." When you're middle aged, you get what you deserve. When you're old, you get more than you deserve. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. <laughs> because he was old. <laughs> but there was a little truth to that. There was a little truth yeah, to it. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> it's all part of the process. Part of the process. Yeah. So we built the ranch. You got um, your back down, and then you get cheese. And how, what? Winning that fraternity, I mean, I'm calling that thing on the live deal, and the raw emotion coming out of that man after that run on that cow. A lot of emotion horse, coming out of a lot of man. Just like, boah. It was, it, was, it was emotional for me just watching you. It's a funny thing to say that because Bill – you know, because he's director of judges yeah. and he's watching that. And he said it was so impressive to see that because you see guys win it and, you know, oh, yeah, you know, guys that have won it before. And to see somebody so excited and the emotion out of me, you know, I, you know, I didn't think of it. I just, it's a lifetime worth of emotions that come out. Yeah. And, you know, uh, apparently the judges and him appreciated it and loved it. That I look back and I think, when I watch football, I hate celebrating, and there I am celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was not put on, you know. It's just that all p- 
pin up emotion from all yeah. that struggle. It reminds me of uh, uh, what's the Kenny Rogers song when Tommy locks the door yeah. and then <laughs> <laughs> just just lets it all out, <laughs> whips all those guys. It just it just like it's in there and. Well, yeah, I was walking down the tunnel. What I already asked um, Lee Deacon because he's playing the music to play me a quiet riot song. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he obviously played Obliged, it. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm walking down the tunnel to go in and I'm thinking, you know, why not me this time? You know, why not? You know, I'm right there and I had a plan. Um, I thought, um, so I didn't know that they had only had black cattle for the, for the open finals. Cause for the, intermediate they had mixed they had the charlets and charlets run harder so um uh, who who was winning the intermediate um shane stefan was winning an intermediate so that i need a charlet cow um because they're running harder in order because i had to be a 226 to beat shane i had to be a 226 to tie to i thought to win but it was the tie but which one anyway right what one won the open going into it and then so i'm riding around and i'm talking to kelby and i said that and he's all well for the open there's only black cattle i'm like oh shit there's no way it can be that with the black cattle because they're not running as hard as the charlays the charlays are running um and i'm like shit and then kelby says to me she he's all you think that's going to be enough buddy you know what he marked and they said no you know there's too many big dogs you know chris and sarah and you know, Sarah fell down, you know, not to win it. And she might have beat me, you know. If yeah. She, I said, they're just, that's not going to win it. Somebody's going to beat you. And I said, you know, I don't know if I can beat you because I need a Charlay cow. I don't think I got enough cow with the black cattle to beat you. But they're just too many big dogs. I'm sorry, buddy. I don't think it's going to hold up. Obviously not realizing that it was going to be, be me. So then I decided, you go, only black cattle. So the only thing I thought I could do is I got to be completely accurate. I got to be perfect. And hopefully that the judges can appreciate perfection because, you know, it's not going to be a hard enough run to mark that high. It's just got to be perfect. And I knew cheese could do it. You know, I knew he, that he was very precise down the fence and, and just lucky enough on that cow that, you know, in that first run, he's banging on me. He's banging and, you know, down there. So, and just hoping that they can see the difficulty actually thinking that through the run because, you know, the cow's on the other side of me and it's hard for the judges to see. Just hoping they can see that. And what I'm going through, it's more difficult, you know, even though there's not a tremendous amount of speed. And fortunately for me that they saw that. And they did. Yeah. And we're doing the pull up in the, I'm up there doing the stuff, the talking stuff, and they're doing a pull who's going to win. And going through, I don't know who was sitting where, but you weren't at the top of the page. And I said, how am telling you guys? I'm not betting Lance out because it's just one of those years where it's eye of the tiger. It's not all puffy and I'm the best. It's like, uh, I'm not going to let you guys take this. I'm not going to, it's, I'm, I'm here and I'm not trying to win but i am going to go dominate this part is what i thought of you through the year and then you come in there and had that run where that's 
there's so much focus that kind of come from behind focus is what you had to me where I'm not leaving anything. I'm not leaving a crumb on this table. Yeah. And if I don't win, it won't be because, be because I didn't try. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I made a, I think there was like five horses, you know, there was Kelby leading it. And then there was like five horses all tied together, like a couple points behind. And then I was a half a point behind them. Yeah. Something like that. So, so when they put up on the board, they didn't put me, they put, you know, Sarah was part of them. I don't know if you were part of them. Yeah. You guys, they were all almost tied. And you were just like, just yeah, under, yeah, just, just there. So you know, nobody's talking about me coming in, and then, you know, Kelby makes that run, and I'm thinking, you know, he left the door open, you know, yeah, and um, so somebody's gonna get him, and when I'm walking down the tunnel, why I'm not? thinking, you know, why not me? I think Sarah had already fallen down then because I was later, you know, I don't think there was many high horses that could catch us after me. There was a set after me, but I think there was only like two horses that could be huge to do it, and I think you were one of them. Maybe, yeah. But um, yeah, that I think that's right. Yeah, and yeah. It's not like somebody could come in after you and be a two eighteen, yeah. and move you. They yeah, had, had to, to be, be big. Mm. But I wasn't gonna. Usually, I'd go up and cheer for people and watch, and you know, even though I wanted to win it, I'd just go up there and watch. But this time I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do it. It was humid and hot then. And so, um, I just walked cheese over to fan and stood there in front of it and, you know, just waited and to see what happened. Yeah. Then finally somebody that was in the little warm up pen watching said, Hey, come on. You know, there was two left and said, you know, can't beat you. One of them was you. <laughs> but and he, he marks too. like a two thirty <laughs> or two fifty. I don't know what it was. So I'm, I'm freaking out. But it was on the horse that you struggled yeah. with in, 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 yeah. in the raining or whatever. But I'm like, oh my god, he just did it. <laughs> but I had the horses wrong because the horse you were sitting yeah, high on yeah, yeah, wasn't the one you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that just about broke my heart. Cause I mean, hey, you want it? Come on up. Come on up. And I walk up there. I'm like, look at this. Luna. <laughs> They're all, no, don't worry. He sucked in the rain. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> you can't go. When you're on that, when you're on one of those deals that you want to win that bad, you can't go up there and fake cheer. So just no. stay. Just stay back there and, and just let him yeah. come and get you. It's not like you're rooting against no, your I friends know. and your buddies. You're just rooting for yourself. Right, you know? that's just, right. You know, it's just... Yeah, I know. Worked so hard for it. And, you know, that, that horse is... You know, I really think he's probably the greatest fence horse I ever rode. And I rode some, you know... Great ones. Really, really good ones. But he's just so smart and so accurate, so quick, and 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 fast enough, you know, plenty fast for a little horse. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, it was just our day. Luckily, you know, there's something about that. You can feel people coming when it's their day. You can just, just feel it. I will not. It's not a. I'm going to win. It's more of I will not be denied tonight. 
tonight's the night I'm going to put it. Uh, and that's what it felt like calling that thing, just watching the whole deal going on and the and the chips start crumbling and breaking. And <laughs> and then here you came. Tonight was the night. Yeah. You know, everybody's always happy for the winner. I mean, you're never mm-hmm. not happy for the winner. But I don't know if I've ever seen so many people so genuinely happy to see yes. somebody win the dirty. I mean, Sarah and I talked about it. I mean, she fell down. And like, yeah, who knows? I mean, she fell down to be good. Yeah, she's going to be and really like, good. And I'm like, you know what? It's fine. Like, I mean. Yeah, Lance is pulling what? himself up out of the bad back right. gutters. Yeah, you know, I'm I mean, like, man, how come awesome on. is this? I mean, there was, I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. Like, it was yeah, so cool. To, it, to, it was, and I never realized, you know, because I always felt like I was a loner and, you know, kind of always off by myself, and it's because you're big and scary. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about that, but so many people I didn't realize were rooting for me and cheering for me, and just the amount of love and so, you know, feedback and support from that that everybody was so happy. I, you know, it was just, it was just amazing how many people called me and texted me and got a hold of me and. It was it was pretty special to me. I never expected that, you know. When, and, and the amazing thing was is that you know I tied with Kelby, but it seemed like that I won easily in everybody's eyes because even Kelby, you know, and his wife, and you know your wife is, you know, blinded you. by you, you know, so she's gonna go for you even she thinks that. You would think that somebody else went and, and, you know, Abby, they congratulated me and, you know, and I truly felt like they thought that I won free and clear, even though we tied and usually there's controversy there, right? And mm-hmm. um, so it made me feel really good that, you know, people thought that because I didn't, no matter, I always wanted to win it, but I didn't ever want to win it, you know, controversially. Sure. Right, I'd lost it that way, where I thought I won it, and I got it taken away from me, and I always thought, you know, I want to win it, but I don't want to ever win it where everybody thinks that it should right. have been somebody else, and so that felt really good because they were pretty awesome to me about it, Kelby and Abby. <clears throat> That's I'm telling you, Lance. Since the since Greg Ward winning, everyone was genuinely happy because he, you know, just because he was him. And that you win in it's the same feeling to me. Really? Yes. No one, no one's like, you know, so and so could have this, and the judges that, and, and just like you said, it's a tie. I mean, that's not even half point split. Right. That's just the same scores, and and one event picked it, and there's still not one, not one ounce of anyone not being overwhelmingly happy. That you won that. I mean, not one bit. Not uh, the. Those are the two epic wins of all the time that I've been here. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd rank myself up with that because I remember uh, I cried when Greg Ward won. Being, oh, it was a little. That was cheerful. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty emotional. I'm not sure I'd rank me up there, but that's as close as I've seen. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, the, and the all love around. and support I got from everybody was. I never expected that. You know at all and sure appreciate it mm-hmm. I know mom was going to scribe and I don't know they must have told her that they were, she was going to scribe for you and she's like 
I don't know much about Lance. He seems kind of quiet and a little scary. And I'm like, well, I'm like, well, he kind of is, but he's, he's like, I said, but you will have, you're liable to have the most strangest conversations, the strangest and coolest conversations with Lance. Like he is like one of my absolute favorites. I mean, like, I, I mean, we'll, we'll sit around there and we'll get to shoot in the breeze. And it is, oh, I just, it's like, it's one of my highlights of the horse show. Every horse show. We can't put that stuff on air. No. <laughs> no it's not on air conversations, but that gum, it is just, I, I'm like, you're going to love him. You're, you're absolutely going to be blown away when you hang out with Lance Johnson. And she came back and said, and you were wrong? No. <laughs> <laughs> Your mother was amazing. I can't believe you're that, a kid. No, no. <laughs> DNA. We need a DNA check. <laughs> Oh, that's good stuff. <laughs> oh, I'd have been screwed judging that deal without her her amount of experience and help, and especially the roping. You know, because we don't get to judge that a lot. And what is your biggest accomplishment? And it doesn't need to be a win in the cow horse training world. You know, it can even be a horse that you showed way past its ability or anything. It can't be kids and it can't be wives. <laughs> can't be getting married and it can't be having kids. <laughs> you know, winning the fraternity is, you know, that's too Epic. easy. Yeah, we can't say that. So the fence run I made in that Mustang, you know, because I, I told Tammy, I said, you know, I really, truly think in my time I was the greatest fence rider ever. Nobody remembers it. I was making the fence runs he makes now way back then, but most of the kids around, you know, you know, Kelby and all those guys, they never saw that. They didn't yeah. do that. And I truly thought, you know, I was the greatest then. And then, obviously, I lost it, and then I wasn't, and I was – talking to Tammy and I was telling her that, um, you know, this is who I think's the greatest. And at this time, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, basically at the time I was comparing you, um, you, Chris and Jake Goral, you know, I was thinking, you know, at that time when I was talking to her that I thought you two are the greatest and I was comparing you two and, been a while back. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a couple of years ago, and this is before the Mustang thing, and and she said, oh, no, I still think you're great. Oh, you're just, you know, saying that you're my wife. I, you know, I think these the two are fighting to be the greatest for, you know, they can show any kind of horse and blah, 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 and smooth. And anyways, and then, you know, I was in bad shape when I showed that Mustang. I was hurting really bad. And to pull that run off, and, you know, it wasn't what they marked it, but in the real world, it was probably a 216, and nobody else was, you know, in the 200s, realistically, if right. you were marking it regular. And to pull that off as bad as I felt, um, you know, I thought, well, maybe... I'm not as bad as I think. Maybe I'm still. <laughs> Maybe I can I do it. I'm still pretty good. Old dog still got it. Yeah. If yeah. I'm this crippled and I can pull this off. So, you know, maybe that's, you know, the snaffle bit for 30 is obviously above that. But that deal was 
pretty, a little pickup. Yeah, pretty, pretty hard to pull off, and I'm pretty proud of being able to do that. Epic because it's a one-year training program. Yeah. On a Mustang. Yeah, and she was a dirty rock. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah, cost him. Cost oh. go, he got to drink for free because yeah. of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just flat. I watched that thing. I was glued to my TV and just flat out showed. Old dog in the house yeah. deal there. Yeah, it was all was, strategy. I yeah. had it planned out how I was going to do it and how I was going to win it and strategy. You know, because I was the only one that had shown that much and only one that had done, you know, the fraternity deal that much, even though it's only a year and it's not the same thing. Um, I had the most talented horse, but she was mentally rank, yeah. you know, rank. And uh, so I just kind of followed my plan and and just figured I had to get to the fence work and figured that somehow I could pull it off and even though she was so tough. The hardest part about that is... Hey, you nit, this nitwit's trying to open an open bottle. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> Should we clarify who the nitwit is? <laughs> yeah, it's already open. <laughs> Matt Cook is pulling on a cork that's yeah, not in the bottle. That is not there. <laughs> yeah, so she was... Mentally a little tough, but man, what a, I watched that thing and there was some stuff going on in the whole, in the whole process. The herd work yeah. was beautiful, man. <laughs> there was some, some not just, I'm not talking about yours, any of it. Yeah. Yeah. We were lucky. Those heifers were so nice. Cause oh, they, they were, who picked them things? Yeah. They were know. unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Who knows? Couldn't have been Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so that was your, that's one of your biggest highs brought, that brings you up. What was your biggest, one of your biggest lows? Seems like there was a lot of them because I was always down on myself if I didn't. Didn't do good. I think the biggest low for me is not just one show, but it, it was, um, I had a bay mare called see me too. We called Amy and she was, she was really an elite mare. And we went to the pre fraternity and I marked it to John won it. I was a half point behind and I, I think he was a two twenty one and a half and I was a two twenty one. John Ward. Yeah. And yep. that, that night, um, a stud got out and decided to camp at her stall. And she, you know, there was the stalls closest to the mechanics barn in Paso. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those stall doors are there were steel, hard steel. And she bent that whole star door out, pawing at it, not kicking at it. Cause that stud camped at her stall and she bruised her coffin, um, bones, and she, she tore suspensory when she was doing it, and she just destroyed herself. Um, and so, obviously, I scratched her from there. But um, her whole career coincided with what I was going through. And so, you know, she had bad luck, and a lot of it was because of me. 
and that was kind of my biggest disappointment because that mare was so nice and I always had bad luck. I ended up, she was actually my favorite horse to this day. I ended up selling her because of, and never wanted to, but I had a kid in college and had to pay for it. Ended up selling her and she didn't work out for those people. And um, luckily, I guess it was last year, Tammy surprised me and bought her back. Bought her she back. fell back. So it felt so bad because I loved her, but I sold her, put my son through college, and um, we got her back way cheaper. So it, it, it worked out good for us that way um, because she didn't work out for the people who bought her. But it was kind of always ate at me that she could have been so much more. You know, once she got hurt, that kind of took so much away from her. And, um, but it was, you know, it was a stupid deal. A stud got out and got over there and, you know. Yeah, and you were over there where they had the, it's just your stalls and then the chain link. Yeah. I mean, there's no room even. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, you know, destroyed her. And that always hurt me really bad because I thought she was, you know, she was really special kind of horse to go win it on. And, you know, and then as her career went on, you know, I was hurting so bad that I was affecting her. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I thought she should have won a couple hundred thousand. I think she won 25. So that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing, biggest disappointment in, in my career. What, <clears throat> um, what is a, what is a, a five minute, piece of knowledge that you had in your past and it could be someone just telling you something but something that plays through your head all the time either a training deal or a life deal on how to train or how to bill or i think you know for me you know my dad wasn't a horse trainer but he was a horseman and so just watching how he always dealt with horses and, and just how he always connected with horses, just, you know, he had that feel, even though he was, you know, he just, he was a cowboy and a rancher. You know, I mean, he rode colts and did that and stuff, but, you know, not horse trainers like us. You wouldn't label him as that. But, you know, just watching him and doing that, it just kind of always stuck in me the kind of feel he just had feel and just like understood almost like he was part horse and so that always stuck with me and so that always resonated in everything i did from an early age on mm. i'm not sure that answered the question right but that's something i always think about i always wanted to be an ho a horseman as well as horse trainer because there's so many horse trainers that aren't horsemen um, and we all know here what i'm talking about mm -hmm. and a lot of times what we got to do and what you got to go through to compete at the highest level may not be the greatest horsemanship you know be honest with you but to not lose the horsemanship part part of That's it tough. yeah it's tough and you know i you know i try to never lose that and i lose it you know more often than I'd like to admit, but that was always something, you know, that meant something to me, and that all come from my dad. Mm -hmm. What would you go back and tell a 20-year-old Lance Johnston? 
to not work so hard. And, um, which is tough to say, but right. I maybe worked too hard and, and so hard that it inhibited me from being successful, to tell you the truth. Because <laughs> I just, you know, that's why I backed the way it is that I just <clears throat> burned myself up to be smarter about what I did with myself physically, you know. You know, like I look at people <clears throat> and some of the people I respect, I'll call them grinders because they're going to go grind on that rock till they make it small and you're one of them. I've always thought that of you. And But the problem with being a grinder is sometimes you grind yourself up making it. Yeah. The other thing, part of that too, is that, and this comes from my mother, she she said, if you start something, never quit from a little, you'll never, don't ever be a quitter. And sometimes I wish not in whole quitting training and everything, right. but there's certain things that happened, you know, like you should have quit this horse sooner because, you know, he wasn't going to make it. Should have quit this customer sooner because they weren't treating you right. Should have, you know, there, there's several things that I wish I would have, quit sooner that I just wouldn't give up on because I thought I was going to be a quitter as part of it and you know I wish I think back and thought if I would have just been a little you know a few times here and there quit a little sooner I would have been better off Mm. but that's what makes sense oh yeah (laughs) it does but but the thing that drags you down is the thing that pulls you up sometimes you know exactly yeah so you should have went and took that damn job hundred thousand a year and you have no overhead to yeah. show up <laughs> yeah but you didn't then we wouldn't have had cheese no no nope. wouldn't have had cheese wouldn't have had nothing and that's worth way more i don't know what it paid but it was worth way more than a hundred thousand oh, i promise yeah. you that mm. the which is totally wrong but you know a half a point changed my life for me inside if I would have never won that, I would have considered myself a complete disappointment. Now, I tried to tell myself that, which is a huge accomplishment, being a millionaire. I mean, it's amazing to see that banner with my name up on it. So I, you know, I hung on to that, you know, that I was going to do that, that I could slowly peck that off, um, you know, that I didn't think I'd ever be able to win this now. And how am I going to compete with these, you know, with you guys and do that the way I'm at. It's hard enough if I'm sound to compete with each other, but to be crippled, you know, how am I going to do it? So I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to grind and grind and grind until I become a million dollar rider. But to tell you the truth in my head, I would have com- thought myself a complete, you know, failure if I didn't win the fraternity because as a little kid, that was my dream. So one half a point that that judge gave me, you know, changed how I feel about myself inside, which is in wrong. Three events, in yeah, three events. Which is, uh, but it's which wrong is, too, Lance. But at the same time, you weren't even, even able to become close to accomplishing it until you accepted just enjoying the cow horse again. Yeah, yeah. When it was your only goal, it was out of reach. Hey, so yeah. talking about that, because you've judged a bunch here the last few years also. What did that do to you when you went to that judge's stand? Wow. The, 
it really changes everything. Especially when I judge the world's greatest last year, I judged it and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm screwed. Look at all the stuff I'm doing wrong. I might as well just pack it in. You know, I judge quite a bit, but, you know, that's, you know, that's the, the big as you get. I mean, that and the snap of it fraternity and to do that and then see little things that are like, oh, man, I'm doing that. And, boy, I got to change this. And pretty soon I'm thinking, oh, man, I don't need to show again because I'm making all these mistakes <laughs> and sucking that bad, even though I'm still winning. But just being, you know, you're judging somebody else and being critical of what they're doing. And so I turn around and look at myself that way. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> But I love judging. Um, it's extremely difficult. And, you know, there's a lot of us that appreciate what they got to go through, but there's a lot more that don't understand, especially the long hours. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not as going through this year the hours that we went through. My shortest day was 12 hours that year. And I worked more hours than everybody else because I volunteered for one or two more classes. My shortest day was 12 hours, and eight hours is pretty good, and, you know, that's a good number. Ten hours, that's okay. You get over ten hours, and it's disastrous. It's grueling. Yeah, it's just, you know, and to do the kind of job that you need to do. And it's important, extremely important, because, like I said, half a point, changed me personally my life you know not around me you know well i mean i guess it did obviously it did but more importantly to me it changed how i felt about my whole career you know so you know i don't want to i want to get it right you know because that half point mattered to me i want to make sure that half a point matters to somebody else and you know you get those long hours and it gets extremely difficult the worst judging job I ever did was here at the world's greatest, but it was for one of the boxing classes, the prelims of one of the boxing classes, or maybe it was the finals because we didn't judge the prelims. Um, um, Kaylee and um, Will Pinterbaker judged the prelims of the boxing class, but we judged the finals. It's the worst job I ever did, and I think I was running a 16-hour day. And, you know, they say, well, it's just a boxing but you know, this it's not a, just same it's not thing just, for them. Yeah, same yeah. thing for them. It's a goal that they spent the whole year working towards, and it's you know very important to them. Not just them. There's a trainer behind that that's trying to make a living, and you know, and if that customer does great, and then there's assistance behind them and stall cleaners, and then family, and it runs all down. So, so it's just just not a it's just not a horse show. You know, a lot of, we know a lot of link behind, yeah. you know, that's behind. So, you know, I, I want to get it right because I know a lot of people are depending on not just that show and those people, which, you know, people say, oh, it's, you know, it's just a show. No, it's not. It's people's livelihood behind that half a point here and half a point there. That'll change people. And, you know, half a point will clear out your barn and half a point will make you famous. Mm-hmm. And I've had a half a point clear my barn out, and I've had a half, <laughs> and I obviously had a half a point make me famous. Yeah, and and so and as a judge, maybe it is going to clear that uh, guy's barn out, but I want it to be as close as I can come to the truth, 
Yeah. The sanctity of what happens in the show pen matters. doesn't matter who's on it, who's on that horse, if I know him or don't know him. The sanctity of the run matters when you're a judge. Yeah. And if it doesn't, don't judge. Yeah. And, you know, I know, you know, people judge people they don't like and all that and say, well, that's going to affect you. I respect the sport so much and I expect everything. I was doing the sixth chair at the Rain Fraternity and there was a runoff and it was a very prominent non-pro and then one of my best friends and they had tied and I'm sitting there watching it and like I'm marking my card as a sixth chair deal, you know, so it's just a practice educational kind of deal. But, um, and I was so low on him. <laughs> <laughs> Right? I mean, like, really, like, I went back, like, when I went back and watched it on video later, like, I mean, I think, I forget if it was in the runoff or if it was in the original class, but when he came in, he was my friend, and I wanted to make sure I didn't get it wrong. And, like, say, you come in and you see this one, that you, it's kind of one of them deals where you expect this one to be good, but you want to make sure that you don't, you know, you just... Yeah. I don't you know. Don't it's just no you, cheat. you resist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't want just, no cheat on it. <laughs> no cheat on it. And like you say, when I went back and watched the video, I didn't. I don't think I even had him tied. I mean, mm. like I think I had him where he was winning. You know, but like you say, but it was, it was just funny <clears throat> because like you say that you think, oh, well, that guy, that's his friend. Man, I tell you what, the worst thing I want to see is my, my buddy in the, sitting uh, up in them stands and for that judges yeah, because they know what you do wrong and they, yeah, they see, see a little something that I maybe told you not to do that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Minus one. Yeah. <laughs> I talked to Lee Deacon and he was like, I feel like I'm always your low man. He says, because I hold you to a certain standard because he used to work for me or whatever. Yeah. So he's like, I don't know. We just. He's like, I don't like judging you. <laughs> yeah. I don't like judging you either. Your mother's my scribe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she's retired. <laughs> Thanks to the grandbaby. Yeah. That's a good reason to retire. Right. Yeah, yes, she came. She was here the other day and she was like, Yeah, I, I kind of miss scribing, but this is, it's kind of nice just to come and watch and like, be able to hang out. Yeah. Yep. I was walking by stand and hey, hey, and like I didn't recognize her because her hair wasn't done up. She didn't have her fancy cowboy hat on. You know, she right. was just regular there. And I didn't recognize her. And, oh, hey, it's you. <laughs> she was, she was unbelievable for me. She was She's amazing. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. Even her singing while the, why the runs are going on <laughs> singing dancing yeah my yeah, mom the yeah. dancing scribe yep sam rose turn around would you tell her to shut the hell up <laughs> and i'm like no you shut the hell up I like <laughs> this is my scribe <laughs> you know i liked it because it kept me awake when running those long hours and she yeah. never lost energy and she just kept me going she and doesn't was, do that yeah. yeah it's it's funny and i don't I don't know all the stories and all the other scribes, but you think about the scribes that are up there because she's got her full AQHA card, her NSBA card. She, I think she teaches on the paint judges committee. I mean, in her HA card, she's got her cow horse card. I mean, she's mm. like very, very accomplished yeah. judge that's sitting up there scribing yeah. for 
you know, just and really she likes to do it because she started doing it for education. She loves judging. Like it is I've never seen anybody that has that much passion for sitting up there and marking she's a card. She's just kind of a sketchy producer. She is a little. <laughs> <laughs> Late maturing. <laughs> Maybe make a good bridal horse. <laughs> <laughs> She's she's a good maternal grand. Yeah, grand maternal grand. Yeah, grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she put a good picker in him. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Lance, we can't thank you. Oh, what I'd like to do before we go, since we have a Matt Cook and a Lance Johnson sitting here on the end of the table, is just let them tee off on each other a little bit, like we did with Sarah and Haley. Oh, yeah. Two girls just talking? Yeah, just two. <laughs> Two lovely, two, two of our greatest fence horse competitors sitting here. He said two words the whole time. Well, he's just been interloping. We, yeah. I was, we were going to ambush you with this little deal here. So, Matt, you got what do you got for questions for Lance? And Lance, you should That's probably think of something. Yeah. 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 You've got, yeah, you've got some first. time. Yeah. You've got where'd some you, time. Where'd you come from? Where'd I come from? Yeah. Hey, there's 10,000 listens on his podcast. Yeah. You can check that out. <laughs> He's our leading podcast listened episode. That's really why we invited him in here. Yeah, he's uh, still leading. Oh, Ronnie passed him. Ronnie Richards passed him. That's not a bad guy to pass you. No, no, that's funny. I guess, yeah, just how do you, I mean... I mean, you kind of already talked about it, but keeping going and even through the mental games and this and that, I mean, just the love of it. Just, um, yeah, love it. And it's funny that I always looked at everybody as my competition, so I really never let him, anybody in. And so that's why everybody kind of looked at me as quiet and an outsider and um, even all through the years. But when I finally decided you know, that I was going to do it because I enjoyed it. Then I started, you know, instead of looking at everybody as my competitors, I started looking at everybody as my friends and, you know, the relationships, you know, got better, you know, with you. And, you know, I talked to Chris more and everybody more, and it's, you know, it's more about friendship with everybody and enjoy it because as trainers – we're always here, you know, customers and horses, they'll come and go, but we will always be here. And without each other, this doesn't work, you know, and we, you know, we can say without non-pros and without this and that, but really when it comes down to the bottom line, without us, it doesn't work because we're always here, you know, and so, you know, even though we got to compete each, uh, against each other to you know, for our livelihood in order to live and survive, you know, we need each other. And so I started looking at everybody like friends instead of like, you know, competitors and yeah, and, and, I remember and enemies. That, yeah, like when you were looking at Wilbur, and then I think you let me work cheese on the flag. Yeah. And I like I won't forget that. I mean, yeah. just kind of. I never let anybody ever work my horse ever before. Yeah, ever. and I remember you saying that, and I was like, oh, I'll be Dang, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't, 
I mean, I still don't really consider myself as one of you guys. I mean, because shoot, you guys are, like, good. Well, I don't know why. You won more world championships than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, that moment there, and then when you were judging the Hackmore Classic one year, you said something about me going down the fence like you used to be able to, and, I mean, that's always kind of stuck yeah. with me also. Yeah, I was so crippled there, and, I mean, I was in severe pain there. But that was one of the fastest, most controlled, greatest fence runs I'd ever seen at that time. And and Bozo was judging with me, and I think I marked it three points higher than he did. And, and he said, well, you know, and I'm a young judge, and he's, you know, me, he's my mentor, older judge, and so he's kind of running it because – um, Bill couldn't be there. Something came up. I don't know if he had a death or something where he couldn't be there. So um, Bozo was the, you know, the main guy, and he's all, so we're way off. We need to sit there, and we need to sit down and watch this. It was just too fast. And I said, but it was perfect. It was controlled. And so we watched it, and Bozo said, well, you know, maybe I was pretty low. So you might have been a little high, but I think maybe I was a little low. And, and you know, if he would have been a little closer to me, you would have won that mm. deal. And But, I mean, that was a pretty spectacular, extremely fast fence run. But it was, you know, it was on the verge of being out of control, but it was in complete control. It was. That sums up Matt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I kind of feel like, you know, back in the day, that's how I used to go down the fence. It was, you know, you know, all or nothing. I was either crashing or, you know, I was, you know, marking huge. And so I could appreciate that. Yeah, like I say, them are dang sure two, two moments I probably won't forget. Just... <clears throat> Hey, Lance, so one of the biggest things about your whole training deal is how incredibly fast you're able to make your horses front in, especially in the herd. And I even rode one for you at Red Bluff one time, and I just like, wow. What, what in there, how did you accomplish that on so many horses? Well... And when I say fast, I mean right to left on a cow. Yeah, um, my big thing in the herd work is, you know, I want a horse to cow up and be bright and ears forward. It pisses me off if a horse's ears are back. I want them to be forward and hooked to a cow. And a lot of what I do um, in my training is, you know, is a cow helping me and using that cow to, you know, move that horse's front end so to speak there's not a at my best there's not a lot of mechanical stuff to it It, it's more about putting that horse in position and using that cow to help train my horse i guess Mm. i know i would say and so it brightens a horse up a lot and that's really important that a horse is bright for me and bright on a cow and that i think that brightness moves those front ends you know, yeah, as fast as they can move, I guess is the easiest I can explain it. You know, and I, when I tried to change to things that were different styles that were, 
you know, the change of the styles and everything that was going on. So I tried to change that, and that's what it took away was the brightness the of my horses and, you know, those horses cowing up. And so, you know, it was complete failure. Not to mean that that stuff was wrong. It just means that I couldn't incorporate it in what I could do and that what was most important to me and my style was those horses cowing up. And having them ears up there and looking and looking like being bright on a cow. And Mm. so I felt like I needed to step back to that and incorporate a little bit of the new stuff to help improve that. And after you've judged for a while, you realize how much it means to have ears forward versus ears back. Yeah. We talked about it um, in the back room. A lot of stuff goes on that back room between the judges. I mean, be honest with you lives are changed back there in that little room with those judges talking at this major event you know a lot of stuff is discussed back there um and you know maybe it's not stuff i should stay it <laughs> should say and reveal but you know like i said a half a point changes a life and and back there you know kind of discussing and talking about runs and trying to you know do the our job the best so you know we're ex- supposed to be experts you know discussing stuff trying to judge at the highest you know we can so there may be you know like sam rose was there and you know he's judged you know i don't know five thousand yeah. shows or whatever tons you know so i'm talking to him about runs and trying to get his expertise and you know because i'm a younger you know newer judge compared to him and so you know we're all discussing everything. And so we got into a huge discussion about, you know, and we're talking about the highest level runs. A run where a horse is extremely bright compared to a horse with the extreme amount of control, but maybe doesn't have that brightness to it. You know, I, I would say a little more mechanical, but, you know, and we all know here who, you know, people were talking about, but perfect you know and so we talked about that and everybody agreed that the brightness we liked more and we might be talking about two runs that where one was a 24 and one was a 22 so Mm -hmm. we're not comparing you know a low level run to high level run we're come we're comparing you know elite runs just you know little different styles and but brightness and you know being cow and reading the cow to all of us, and there was all different ages there, seemed to be the most liked style. How do you think we develop more new judges? How do we incentivize younger trainers to get their cards, first of all, and then second of all, be able to use them? Is there, I mean, is there any way to do that? Because, I mean, everybody's, I mean, you've got horses to show. That's the thing. The best people that are most qualified to do it that have the most knowledge to understand what we do especially the fence work are all showing and it doesn't mean that the guys that are all showing could be judges because <laughs> there's a lot of them that you know and some of them will like a lot of them admit like oh, i couldn't do that you know and you know a lot of people can't because it's extremely hard but for me the most knowledgeable people to bring up they're showing and so it's it's so hard with the fence work 
because there's so many subtleties that happen with it that if you've never done it at a high level, you can't know what's going on. You know, I've given a little clinic or seminar on judging, um, and I talk about um, I talk about a smooth run compared to a more cowboyish run and um, and judging. And so I use Russell as one because you go down the fence a little cowboyish, and then I use Jake because I like to compare you know, great fence runs. And Jake will make stuff look so smooth, subtle. So much poise. Poise that, you know, people don't understand how easy he made that look, don't understand the difficulty of it. And so he'll mark less than you when you put a little flash and flare and cowboy to it, which is showmanship. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, it's great. It's phenomenal. But some judges will miss, you know, poise. what Jake has done because they've never experienced how hard he just made something so smooth look. And, um, and like, when I compare stuff, like, again, I like to compare, you know, elite riders. I don't want to pick on anybody. I'm just trying to, you know, when I'm giving these clinics and stuff, I, you know, we're trying to show people the difference in what, you know, stuff you don't see in people and, you know what you do is awesome showmanship and it's won you a ton but you know judges will miss you know you're another one um um chris you'll do the same thing you'll make stuff look so smooth that you'll end up marking slightly less than you would have if you would have made it look as difficult as it was and so you know those judges that can see that stuff that elite kind of stuff are the guys that are showing, mm. you know. I I feel that, um, and we talked a lot about this when I judged the world's greatest, that there are some elite older judges, but as you get older, you know, you start to lose your light, eyesight and things start to fade. You've got the experience and the knowledge and you've been there, but, you know, we need new judges to come in because those, you know, those guys got the experience, but as you get older, you start to lose your edge, and so we need newcomers, but all the newcomers are, you know, showing. Right. There's people that can judge and come in, but, you know, don't have the experience to see the subtleties in a run. Um, and I, I believe that it's extremely hard for people who haven't competed, you know, especially the fence work, to see those little things that do justice to what we do because again i believe a half point changes a life so every half point matters to me yeah. yeah that's what scares me a little is because like i've even oh, last year after this horse show i think i organized a, a judges school and like and tried to get so it wasn't such an intimidating deal because some of those judges schools are so big and there's you know it's there's so many people there and everything else so i tried to do some and invited a lot of current competitors that either wanted to get their card or just wanted to go through a school like is it so good to go through a school like i can't overemphasize how if you're showing and you haven't been to a judge's school you need to get your butt over there yeah. and get to one go. because yeah. if you don't i mean why, why wouldn't you you know even if you don't want to judge but 
I don't know if I see as many people wanting to be enthusiastic about learning how to judge now because as they get older and maybe start having an opportunity to judge, they're not going to have the experience of having, you know, they're just not going to have the education. And when that opportunity comes up for them to get some judging jobs, whether their business starts to fade a little or their, you know, their health fades or whatever, I mean, a guy needs to know it because if you do get, like I say, we're one wreck away. You know, if I've got a broke leg and I'm laid up for a little while, well, shoot, I, you know, yep. call Bill and be like, hey, I can go, hey, I, hey, I'm available, you know, for whatever. And, you know, but there's not, I don't see enough young people putting themselves in that situation to where they have that. Yeah. And then they're not, and so that's what concerns me about our generation going forward. It's, it's getting a little more specialized than it was, Lance. <clears throat> yeah. That when we were younger, you trained, you started your own horses, you trained them, you showed them, and you judged, and you did. I mean, it was just, it was just one more cog in the wheel. Yep. And now it's, it's so big, it's so intense that your people are becoming so much more focused on just training. And it, it's getting oh. tough to pull them judges out of there. Yeah, and judging is a thankless job. Oh, oh dear! There's Lord. only one person that's happy at the end of the week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just I mean the one. <laughs> <laughs> one out of two hundred. <laughs> and yeah. that one's not happy on the other horse he rode. Right. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I tell people that all the time. I'm like, listen. If you haven't at least been to a judge, if you've never sat in that chair and went up there and judged, you don't you don't have the you don't have the right to complain about anything. Exactly, you know, like I mean, and and the more you judge, the less you'll complain about judging. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, and you know, our director Bill Inc. The job he does and what he has to do, you know, holy smokes, the most thankless part oh, of judges being the director terrible. yeah <laughs> and what you got to deal with and the different personalities and uh, <laughs> you know if a judge is feeling down on what he's doing in a major event you got to pump him up and if one's out of line you got to bring him down and i mean and you know these are you it's know a lot you know these are guys that have judged you know for 30 years or you know and or just you know just everything and setting up everything he has to that's a hell of a tough job to do. And I tell and, you, what impresses me about Bill is that I try and go to a school every year. And I've, every year I feel like that school gets better. And for him to keep tweaking and keep improving himself, just like we are showing, I feel like he is making little adjustments and trying to improve that education system yeah. every year and stay energetic about it too. right I mean, you I know mean, like it's, he's no spring chicken no, i mean he no. just he just i mean and he i mean like say he just shows up with so much enthusiasm about it and keeps trying to get so much i mean it just it blows me away really it's trying a, to perfect an imperfect situation <laughs> right. yeah and it's an extremely tough job and <laughs> and the way he takes care of his judges and and backs them because you know, it, it does feel like when you're in that room that, you know, everybody's against you, that you're the enemy. It feels, it, you know, it really feels like that and that, you know, you're, and, you know, he's the one guy 
that's got your back, you know, because, you know, you're judging everybody and if, you know, nobody's going to like it, even if they deserved a bad mark, nobody's going to like it. So you're Mm -hmm. the enemy and the only one you got there backing you is him. Well, and and he's the only link to the, he's the rubber grommet between you and the show pin. Yeah. Every complaint they have comes to him. Yep. So there's you five and... 400 (laughs) (laughs) and you know he he backed us and took care of us i mean there was one night we had been judging for 14 hours and we hadn't had dinner yet and finally and nobody was getting us dinner the who should have been getting us dinner so he got a hold of you know actually it was i think it was i think will pinnebaker and who was they were the extra two judges judging the other classes and so they were sitting in on us judging the major stuff so he sent one of them off and um and i think it was katie wilson together sent them off they went and got pizza showed back up with it and this was so it was last year i don't know if you remember bill shut down the show right in the middle of it and said we got to eat you know i got to take care of my guys because this is and the reason why, if we don't do a good job, then mm. everybody messed Everything's up. Everything's bad. Yeah. yeah, and it was not a good timing. And I thought about it as a competitor. If I was down there, it was during a non-pro class. If I was, you know, I would have been complaining and everybody had been complaining. But it made me realize that, hey, when I complain when I'm down there, you know, maybe there's a good reason for what they're doing. Because, I mean, we hadn't eaten. We were starving and we were... I mean, it was struggling, struggling, and he put a stop to it. We ate, we took, you know, slowed down the show for 15 minutes. We ate, everybody was feeling good, and then we judged good. But you know, I thought about it from a competitor standpoint, and and yeah, I knew there was a lot of people not happy and complaining. But he did the right thing because we were able to do a better job, mm. and that was a hard call, you know, <laughs> to do that because. I mean, the office was mad, and you know, the bad yeah. gay guys were mad. Everybody, because they're wanting to get done, but you know, and we there's were only done. one gonna, oh, only one guy. You five aren't going to take that heat. He yeah. had to make the call, and, and he's he the only one going to get in the yeah. the mm-hmm. grief. Yeah. So for you, you know, that job is ten times harder than the judging job. You know, whoever has it, it's to do that and do it right, and I mean. You know, you're setting up flights for people. You're, you know, you're hiring people. You're, you know, and you got to f- hire five guys or five judges, gals and guys that get along with each other, <laughs> that work good together. We had a good group, but then, you know, those guys that judge talk about having bad groups and how it ruined everything and ruined the show and got guys, you know, you got five judge system, think it's great, but when you got in the back room, you know, for 12 one, one, days. Or, one or two bad apples. <laughs> yeah. You know, usually it's, you know, like one real bad apple ruined the whole deal. And then it's just, you know, I'm, I'm always very interested in, in the psychology of judging and how do five good judges get something so totally wrong? Or how do they get a whole show wrong when they're five, you know, Good judges. Confident. You know what a bad judge yeah, does right. something. Yeah. You know, that's easy. But how do five great judges get something or a, 
you know, one class or a whole show completely wrong, you know, and then so I try to study the psychology of it. And, you know, what if there's one bad apple in those five that turn the five, especially if it's a dominant judge, an older judge that starts putting pressure on the rest, the judge like he does, you know, what if they're younger and he's a, you know, so a lot of stuff that goes on like that and that kind of stuff Bill has to deal with and take care of to keep everybody on the straight Yeah, because nothing worse than sitting there judging and thinking, oh, how am I going to try and match this guy? Yeah. Instead of just yeah. judging and marking your card. And, you yeah. know, and you let that little thing in, and then it skews the whole deal. And you got to find, you're not just finding five judges. You're finding five judges five times and putting them together at all the different shows. I mean, it's, it's I don't want that job. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's a it's a tough deal, and yeah. I never realized it till I did it. Till you judged, huh? yeah. I know. It, it, the, and I, I was one guy. Well, why Bill do this better? Why didn't he do this better with his judges? Why didn't he do yeah. this and that? <laughs> you know, I was one of those guys in the background doing this, and then I judged, and it was a part of that. And I thought, holy smokes! Mm. <laughs> Hands off! Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm shutting my mouth because this is not <laughs> right or wrong. Whatever he's doing, this ain't easy, and I, I'm no, I'm not somebody to be judging, you know. Yeah. Because it's like said to you, walking those footsteps. Yeah. You know what helps a lot with the judging is this new um, instant video to your phone because you're like they so undermark me and right. that video comes in about three and a half minutes yeah. later and you're, it's amazing oh, how oh. did they mark me that <laughs> right. yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. it's crazy like oh, man they don't like me oh my god those are my real friends yeah, yeah. <laughs> shout out to linda mars and traveling jones oh, for sponsoring man. this or shows yeah yep. quick feed video <laughs> Smoking good. Yep. It keeps a lot of, it quells a lot of uprising. I agree. <laughs> yeah, It really it's, does. It's yeah. a good deal. Lance, <sighs> man, that's been awesome. Like, yeah, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, Anything thanks else for sharing it with us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks for inviting me. <laughs> yeah, only three hours and 12 minutes. That's all? That's it. That's it. Yeah. That seems like an eternity. No, I thought we'd only been here like an hour. That's the way it'll do it. That's what'll happen. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> what time is it? Uh, it's ten thirty. Eight o'clock. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who's making the soup? <laughs> somebody. <laughs> somebody over there's gotta be making soup. Well right for the soup kitchen. Well, thanks again. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with uh, Million Dollar Rider Snapple Bit Fraternity Champion Lance Johnston with our little cameo woolly buddy. Until <laughs> <laughs> next time, we're uh, this is Russell Dilday and Chris Dawson and Ben Self. And uh, go fast. Make good decisions. Thank you for listening to Cow Horse full contact. Please like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram to stay tuned for future episodes.